to another episode of the Pop Culture Roundtable, the podcast that's ready for the werewolf bar mitzvah. In this episode, we talk about products, 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 marketing yourself, and monster land. I'm Andrew Sale. I'm Lauren Rubin. I'm Patrick Hill. So get ready for something spooky scary as this boy becomes a man and this man becomes a wolf. to kick off every episode by going around the table, which is where we talk about something new, fun, and noteworthy about our weeks. Patrick, you look uh, startled. Well, it's <laughs> the way you said we like reminded me of the Borat 2 trailer, which just dropped this oh, past yeah. week. Oh, yeah. I actually uh, want to watch I, that like on election night. I'm saving it. Oh, you haven't watched it yet? No. <laughs> Not the movie. No, I watched no, the trailer, wants, but the movie. She the wants movie. to watch the movie. Oh, that's right, because the, the movie comes out... What, right like before the, the election. The, the day before, the weekend before, or something like that. It's like yeah. right before it's, the it's election. It's like, a, I think like a few out. days before, but I was like, it would be perfect to like watch this on election night to like distract myself from just watching the numbers come in, because I hate that part. You know, it's so t- it's so tough with films like that. I, so I put Borat in the same category as like um, watching like an Anchorman. Where yeah, or I like had... Amistad. <laughs> you and that Amistad joke I had to cut it out the last time you said it last um, time it was contextually inappropriate yeah you didn't <laughs> time it really well last time, time so time. you made sure to get in on this Wait, but are you time. comparing Amistad to Anchorman like I'm losing how this came up he's here not. Like, that's no, the, he's that's not that's the joke the joke is that he's okay. he's referencing this really really uh, unserious I, thing in, what I'm saying is then that I'm saying these... something that's overtly serious and so the, the mm-hmm. juxtaposition is where the comedy lies <laughs> I right. See now. In I fact, see. Uh, we're going to do a comedy eleven oh one podcast sometime in the future. We'll explain <laughs> this in more depth. Um, but the 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 idea is that you have these comedies that are just in, when you first see them, they're these like I don't what's what's they're just amazing. They're incredible. The fact that something could be so bottle. funny and lightning like, in a bottle. Yes, I I was going to use another word that wasn't that, but what you said is great. Lightning in a bottle, and then inevitably they have sequels because they do really well and because they're beloved. And then everyone complains that it's not as good as the first time, but. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing it for the first time. You've already seen the character. You already had that moment. Uh, it, same thing happened with like Austin Powers. You can't go back and rehab that moment. So the second I, Austin I'm Powers sure, is really good. Yeah, but it's it's still you. It, you're missing the fact that you had that first introduction where you didn't know what to expect, and it was yeah. So uh, it inevitably this won't live up to the first one, but uh, it definitely seems like it's uh, can be is going to be pretty outlandish. I will say there is one critique that I did see that I, it seems like it. Might fit with the trailer. We'll have to see with the final film. But that's that. Uh, there is a version of Borat that is very, uh, sh- almost closer to shy, like soft spoken, and yes. like very unique, but not necessarily like you know chasing people around. Yes. The Borat we saw in the trailer is a bit more wild. So it'll be interesting to see if once we actually get into the film, if we see more of that reserved, awkward Borat, or if we see the outlandish, over the top Borat. I hope we see more of the awkward. Uh, but man, I yeah, guess I'm we'll looking to forward to it. It takes it takes place during pan pandemic times, which is does. And in mm-hmm. fact, uh, it uh, a lot of the film was shot. I say a lot of the film. The scene where he busts into the um, speech given by Mike Pence that really did happen back in February. 
Uh, so mm-hmm. that would happen, uh, I mean, on the heels of, of the pandemic. And then, of course, it, it continues on filming throughout that time. So the, the, these are things that made the news. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but like at the time, we didn't know that that was Sasha Baron Cohen. We know that now. There is other stuff that we do know of Sasha Baron Cohen. Inevitably, we're going to see when he's, you know, playing folk music at the county fair, which was also around this time when he's singing. He sings his song, The Wuhan Flu. And everybody's like cheering and clapping. And, you know, we knew it was him at the time, but inevitably that'll be in this film. So mm-hmm. uh, just wild. And then also we got the trailer for um, Free Guy. Is that what it's called? The Ryan Reynolds film? Yeah. Oh, that's been the around new for a tra- The new trailer. It's like trailer two. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. It, we got, we got, got the It gives you a second. whole new storyline now. Like the whole, mm-hmm. it's a wholly different thing now. Oh. It, it is. And we saw all of it. I mean, I can't imagine we missed any of the beats of the film based nope. on we the watched trailer. The they, two trailers, yeah. It's it's as if they just released the movie on Quibi. <laughs> is it as bad as the the like Netflix preview trailers that literally give away everything about every movie that they show? Oh, I mean it it gave away everything, but but the deal is, it's not like like it's not going to be a good movie. I it may be a movie that because Ryan Reynolds is so charismatic that it's enjoyable to watch. But at the end of the day, like this isn't gonna think about think about like Just Friends. Like if you think about that movie. It's no different than any of these like uh, romantic comedies that have just the same tropes over and over. But that movie is a cut above the others because of Ryan Reynolds. So I think in that regard, it might make the movie more than watchable. I think it might make it very fun. Yeah, I, I, watching the trailer does not make me want to not see the film. But is the film going to do anything new? No, I don't expect it to. It doesn't look like it's going to. But it still, it still could be a great way to pass the time for a couple hours. Uh, especially within the movie void that we've been feeling for so long. I'm going to be itching for some Mm -hmm. dumb comedy, and it looks like that's going to bring it to us. Uh, On that note, though, we will have to wait a little bit longer for uh, big films. Uh, We we did hear that um, the latest was 007 got pushed back. It was supposed to have a release next month, and now that's... I mean, it was going to happen, but because of that, this is what's uh, crazy. Regal Cinema had apparently put all their eggs in that basket they had opened up with the belief that 007 was going to be a, a the big kind of reintroduction uh for their chain so they had about 600 locations that were open that just opened i think this past week or, or a couple weeks ago really getting ready for um you know moving into thanks uh november thanksgiving rush holiday season get some of these big blockbuster films well everything's been pushed and because of that regal just closed down all 600 theaters again uh, which is just uh, awful. I mean, there's a couple cinemas. Regal is the second largest cinema in America. That's mine. Like the one closest to me. The like two oh, movie theaters closest to me are all le- Regal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they've they've just closed down 600 uh, theaters. I think it is Regal uh, that a firm came out and said that based on the current direction, unless something insane happens, based on the the projected trend over the next six months, uh, they will have. Uh, have no liquidity after six months. So, man, theaters are gonna. And if you know look... anything about Regal, there's tons of liquidity all over the ground whenever you go see a movie. It's sticky. Yeah, you, you and there's all up. sorts of. Well, I was gonna say that they haven't been doing a lot of the promotions that I've seen other theaters kind of do to cope with this, like you know, letting you rent out theaters or um, drive-ins or kind of you know doing special screenings. They're just trying to stay status quo and and maintain. Yeah, and that's yeah, like doing work. screenings of like more classic movies and stuff like that, and um. I just haven't seen them make a ton of effort to change. And I don't know how capable they are of doing that either. You know, it's not necessarily just like snap your fingers and make this happen. But um, 
Yeah, that sucks the, <laughs> a lot. Well, but even for the people doing that, the reality is it hasn't rebounded how theaters had hoped. Uh, no. Public confidence is, is not there. You know, we, we're still under orders, and a lot of states still have orders, not Florida, but a lot of states still have <laughs> orders that say you can only have 30% occupancy, 50% occupancy. Mm-hmm. A lot of theaters aren't even meeting that. They're not even meeting the, the uh, max allowed occupancy for the state, much less having people, you know, stuck lined up at the door not being able to get in. Yeah. So the... Even if all theaters went to 100% occupancy tomorrow, public confidence is not there. Theaters are still going to continue to struggle. And we've actually seen a bit of pullback. I've noticed that in the Alamos around here in the schedules and how many films they offer and what days they're open. Yeah. We saw an initial big push and suddenly they have eight films showing on eight different screens and they're they're running in, in four time slots a day or six time slots a day. Fast forward two weeks later and they're showing three films in two time slots. So mm-hmm. like we've even seen a shrink in what's available, which which to me would say they're obviously not filling up the theater or they would be looking mm-hmm. to add more, not pull back. Uh, and that appears to be a trend uh, all over. So, you know, some theaters, I-, I would imagine, will have the money to be able to weather this storm. But uh, for independent chains uh, or, or independent like uh, uh, single theaters, I-, I can't imagine how difficult that is. Uh, and I, I it's going to be crazy to see how many theaters actually exist if we were able to fast forward six months from now i mean my guess is it's gonna it's gonna be a pretty big hit so now whether how much that changes the viewing experience how much that changes um who knows but it's gonna look different Uh, outside of that snl was the other new thing we got this week finally returning and i Mm -hmm. i used to not watch snl i mean i i it's only in the last okay sorry probably like three years ago Mm mm-hmm is when I started really paying attention and ne- as far as like watching every week. Yeah. And now what I do is I go back and when I'm done with my episodes, I just go back to old seasons to start watching through old seasons. So mm-hmm. I'm, tr- but obviously there's like what, like 48 seasons or something ridiculous. Like, I don't know how many it is, but there's yeah, a lot. So it'll forever. take a while. Yeah. I was but, asking um, because I also started maybe like two or three years ago. <laughs> yeah. Really? So, uh, I'm now, really su- surprised at you, Laura, not Patrick. Patrick. Yeah. Uh, nothing surprises me. Well, anymore, I would like always you. like check in on it, but I never was like avidly watching it like I do now until like a few years ago. And like I, I've seen gotcha. I've seen lots of the like classic sketches like just, you know, on YouTube or whatever, like through time. But I never have seen the like episode that that came from. I love that Andrew is throwing shade and Andrew has not seen this week's episode, but Lord and I have. So <laughs> I'm not, and I will talk about way. it and Andrew won't. I'm not throwing shade at having seen this episode and I wasn't even throwing shade at you. It was more throwing shade at Lauren for not having been more up. I expect her to be more pop culturally relevant than you. That is true. <laughs> that is, you are held to a higher bar. Yes. Than we are. Yeah. Well. Exactly. <laughs> But on that note, SNL is back, and I was thoroughly underwhelmed by the episode. I, I think I probably was able to uh, to break out a laugh maybe twice in the entire runtime. I but laughed a few wow, times. Wow, that, that opening intro fell incredibly flat for me. <laughs> and um, I, the only thing I really, like, Weekend Update uh, was still pretty solid. I, I like the chemistry that Jost and Che have. And uh, there was... Um, you know the the Tony Hawk skit was okay. Oh, that was, I, like the the twisted the twist that needed to be okay. like a full minute shorter, and that joke would have been hilarious. Sure, and like, and then yeah. outside of that, I I think the 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 stunt people uh, that that one was was it was fine, but that but that one I would say that that one actually felt more in line with 
where you would expect the bar to be with previous sets. But given that they've had an unconventional end of last season, they're coming back from a break, mm-hmm. they have more than enough material at their disposal. Yeah. They're and back th- in a studio, so it's not like they, they are trying to solve these technical bounds. Mm-hmm. They're they're back in what should be a comfortable environment. I was surprised at how weak the episode was. Yeah, because like that first sketch with the like people who had to leave the like naming office was one of the most basic ass jokes I've ever heard. Like <laughs> it's just been yeah. done like a million times. Na- the the two things that I really did like though was Jim Carrey's Joe Biden impersonation is hilarious. I would just watch that. <laughs> like the, the sure. sketch that they did for the debate, I agree, wasn't funny, but I don't know like really how much they would make that situation funny because it wasn't funny to watch it was annoying <laughs> I, 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 mean, I agree that jim carrey looks like joe biden he, mannerisms talk all that kind of stuff but he did not bring anything to the character no you know, no the, he he i, did, I did see impersonation i did see clips of that and i felt like he was just doing his clint eastwood impersonation that he's done he didn't feel In like joe he, biden makeup yeah it didn't feel like he brought a joe biden-ness to that which i think he was relying like solely on the physical, like uh, the, the physical appearance, and not—I don't feel like he brought a lot. Like I think, like you said, to the character of him. Not like when, uh, when what's his face, when uh, uh, Pharaoh did, like Barack Obama. You know what I mean? Where right. he embodied Barack Obama and he became him mm. when he did that. It was—it wasn't like that. And and you would expect that from Jim Carrey. You would expect right. a full embodiment of him. Well, yeah. and the hope would be that you would take this element, probably an, uh, an element of minutia, and dig into it into right. the extreme, and then that that becomes really funny. But the only thing we got from Carrie, other than an impression or impersonation, was he would still try to do the Jim Carrey like twist my face yes. around and in yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. So th- there was nothing that he was um, adding or extracting or 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 bringing into the character other than like what you just said, doing kind of the Jim Carreyisms in really great makeup. That's what it was. So, uh, and then to top to, to, to add to that, the sketches he, he was in were incredibly weak and just absolutely void of humor. So it's, um, was yeah, there, was, a, was there an audience there? A live audience? Yes. Was. Which was cool. Cause they did all first responders, which I thought was also really nice that they like did something cool for them. How'd they do that? I mean, so I, I assume temperature checks when you came in, everybody in the audience was wearing masks. I don't know beyond that, you know, because there were people sitting shoulder to shoulder. And I know that some of the sections had gaps between them. But even in previous seasons, you still see that with some of the floor seating. So I don't know that it was maybe a they lot. Were par- maybe they were parties. Yeah, I was like, I wonder if all those people work at the same hospital. So, like, they're technically in the they same just bubble put anyway. In together. Yeah, I have maybe, no idea. Maybe, but, like. The pockets of seats are still shoulder to shoulder. So, and that's that's why I'm saying that's a good that. Point. Other than the fact that people were wearing masks, it 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 was the normal SNL setup, um, which further baffles me why it was such a a miss. You know, it, at least when we had the pandemic SNLs, there's a level of forgiveness you get, but there's also a mm-hmm. level of endearment with oh they're having to go through the same thing we're going through, and all that is now gone, and so now it's back to just being unfunny. Very frustrating first episode. So, I mean, maybe it'll get better, but... Um, yeah, I thought it was just fine. I had I struggled to think it was even fine. But again, I, I tend to like the, the I, people. Like, I, I like most of the cast of SNL. So I have high hopes for what it can be. Yeah, I feel like SNL's turned into, like, an optimism test where it's like, 
do you believe that the next episode will be good? Because <laughs> I just keep showing up. <laughs> all right. Uh, Andrew, you, you that's watch, all. You watch for what could be. Yeah. Yes. That's what I'm I hanging on to. I hopes. I enter SNL every week with was. the unwavering swagger that today it's going to be good. <laughs> How good was that Steve Martin quote that was posted in Slack? So good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just be undeniable. Like, if, if you want to be, what was the idea if you want to be famous or rich or, I don't remember if what you the prompt be, yeah, was. If you want to be famous and you want to be successful. Be undeniably great at something. I just love that. The okay. idea, be so, like, so good at something that people will come seek you out. Yeah. Um, and, that's great. All right. Uh, that's easy to do when it comes so naturally for him. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, are you handing it to me, Patrick? I am. I, okay. I keep trying to gesture. I've waved okay. my hands. I yeah. said your name. Well, use more than just that one finger, and then I, I would know that you're talking to me. What um, if I use this finger? So, uh, so this week has been interesting. Um, been a lot of drawing. We've been doing, like I like I said last week, we've been doing the Disney Drawtober, and uh, it's become it's become a thing. So when you host yeah. one of these things, um, you just have to know what you're signing up for. You either are signing up, you either are signing up hoping that the thing isn't successful or popular, or you sign up and say, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to be submissive to the, the Instagram dings and pings and, and engage with the community that we're trying to engage with. And so Fortunately, it's been the latter portion of that. So uh, lots of people participating. Uh, we're at the point of recording right great. now. We're on day five, and people coming out of the woodwork. People that uh, people that I know and and like super dig their work. People that uh, Mariana knows and dig their work, and then people we have no idea who they are and we super dig their work. So yeah, it's been really fun to see all of the, the participation. And like I said, uh, yeah. on day of record, we're on day five. Um, and so we're still in the infancy of this, but it's already got uh, over 200 and something posts yeah. now. Like it's, it's, it's doing really well. So um, it's been fun to see people join in and uh, all skill levels and all sorts of stuff. It's been great. Um, yeah, I was like what, shocked when I posted the one that I did today that there was already like almost 300 posts in the hashtag and everything. Like that's so thanks, awesome. Thanks uh thanks for believing in us. <laughs> I was shocked that something you guys did did so well. So No, quickly. I didn't mean it that way. Like it's only day 5. That's a lot. Jeez, you're so rude. I meant it that way. <laughs> I meant it that way. I'm rude? Um no, I'm just kidding. Yes, it well we also were like we hoped that people would uh you know enjoy it or take notice of it but it's done really well and it's been a lot of fun so if you haven't done it yet well i don't know what you're waiting for it's a lot of fun you don't have to do every day just pop in and do the ones that are that speak to you or that are fun for you like lauren you've been doing other prompts potentially but then today you did the hocus pocus one um or yesterday you did the hocus pocus one because that one was a fun one for you so like just mm-hmm. picking and choosing which ones are good, it, it works too. You don't have to do every day to do the challenge. Some of these people are a lot better than you are, Andrew. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Some of these are like, I mean, like I've seen your artwork, so I'm kind of used to it. Some of these yeah. are like really good. No, I and You didn't I say anything you. about how mean that was. <laughs> I expect <laughs> that from Patrick. <laughs> um, he... Uh, so one of the people who I'm really excited who's who's joined us in this venture is um, Danny Haas. So art by Danny, mm-hmm. and he's do, he's been doing it every day so far. And I have petitioned him to 
take all of his posts and compile them either into a print or some sort of book so that I can then own that thing because it is really cool. Um, people mm -hmm. doing a lot of really interesting and fun uh, interpretations of things, which has been good. Um, so there's that. The other thing I, I said last week that my, my Mickey was in transit and that I was hoping that it would get here safe and sound. So um, it is here. I'm going to take it out of the package to show you. Uh, the box came in. You have all the nice foam with the uh, the little the passport ticket and everything like the other one came with. Now here is a, a major difference in this one <laughs> than the first one. All right? All right. It has arms. So you've got here he is in his box, right? This is what the yeah, other one looked like in his box. However, there are these two cut-out foam pieces that fit oh. right here to keep him from moving forward in the box. They exist in this one, didn't exist in the last one. And so because of that, there you have a complete figure, un, uh, unscratched, totally blemishless, uh, blemish-free he looks incredible. Can you just imagine if an arm fell off right now. I'd be so mad. <laughs> so, do you think that, like, are the cutouts there for the foam in the other box? Like, do you think maybe they just forgot to put the inserts in the other That's box? That's exactly. Added. No, no, yeah. So these are cut out from the foam. These are part of that foam. I think what happened in my first one is they didn't sit these back down inside of it to wedge him in. Yeah. And because of that, he was able to shift moving, moving back and forward inside the box um, in transit. And it's coming from Hong Kong. Uh, and so inevitably, it's going to get jostled. Um, but gotcha. this made all the difference. This thing came in mm -hmm. and it is pristine. It's beautiful. I'm very happy with it. It's going to live on the shelf. Um, and so now I'm just waiting for someone in the community to let me know how we can do this uh, This. Mickey Mouse bowling ball steampunk thing that we talked about last Let's week. Let's get on it. Who, yeah. who wants to? I don't know if acrylic is the way to go or like what the resin. material is. Resin. Resin. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. re that's right. Resin. So the deal is we need to take the other one that was broken, glue it together enough that we can then cast it into a resin sure. mold. So it's like it's locked in time. Yeah. Let's get a, let's make this a podcast community project. It? It'll be who a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, be so so cool. anyway. The, the end of that saga, it ended well. I'm, I'm very happy with how they made it right. It took a while because it's in Hong Kong, but um, they made everything right. Super easy. Didn't even have to like pay for shipping again. They just sent a new one, and it was super easy. So um, very, very happy. And here's that. the – you know what's cool? Most, comp like, most companies in our space want to make it right, and that's awesome. I like that. There's two people that stand out in my mind that just did not make things right. Yep, and that those two those two people will continue to get under my skin. But thank thank you to the ones that do. <laughs> so speaking of companies that do things right, and on the topic of 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 Drawtober, uh, I fin I think I mentioned this last week. I finished my my big Baron Fig Confidant sketchbook. I finished. I got all the pages done, and was ready to start on a new one um, for Drawtober. And I have. I'm not even kidding you when I say I have at least 15 Baron Fig notebooks unused, wow. like in the package still, okay? I like to support companies that do good work and all these different things, right? However, and I was just ready to pull one off the shelf and start. Well, that morning, the morning, uh, the first day of Draw Timber, of, of Drawtober, not Draw Timber, <laughs> of Drawtober, uh, <laughs> I, I saw that all of my notebooks on the shelf, dot grid. <laughs> They were all dot grid. Oh, they were no. all for note taking and for like, you know, uh, 
sketches Raps. for projects and things, but not <laughs> for like sketching for, you know, like a, as a sketchbook. And so fortunately, I have a smaller, like one of the original, like I think they call them flagship size, one of the flagship um, confidants that's blank still. Um, and I had only had a few sketches in the front of that. So now I'm drawing on that. But it means all my sketches now have to be smaller. I had gotten used to having all of this ah. room and I could explore the page. Um, but like uh, I just drew the sleepy, the legend of Sleepy Hollow and I had to draw him like I'm trying to show you. I had to fit mm -hmm. both characters onto this one page. And so everything ends up having to be super small. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially with a horse. Especially with the horse. The horse was, was tricky yeah. to do and, and stay proportional on that that size scale. But um, yeah. so uh, there's that. And I'm, I'm really happy about that. Final thing uh, that Wait, I'm I less have happy about. I have a question before you move yeah. on. Yeah. Are you going to finish all your sketches in that notebook, even though it's not like what you ideally want? Or are you going to get a new one and continue in that? I'm going to get a new one. I'm going to mm -hmm. finish. I'm going to finish Drawtober in this book so that all ah. of the Drawtobers are together. But then I'm going to bounce back over and do like my normal like Disney a day sketches and all the other stuff that I do moving forward. I'm going to go back over to that one. I think we'll see. I am going to get a bigger one and just have it so that I'm ready. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I might, after 31 days, get used to drawing at this size again and be okay to finish out this book that way. I don't know. We'll see mm -hmm. what happens. I'm, like, not at all strict about, like, finishing sketchbooks before I start a new one or having multiple ones or multiple sizes and all kinds of things like that. But I feel like you are a little more strict, so I was curious. I am, I am more, yes, I am more <laughs> regimented when is, it comes to that kind of thing. Is there any benefit? Just in terms of, of uh, consistency and always having the, like... So what I've done in the past where I have different sketchbooks with different things or different notebooks, I might mm -hmm. bring a, a sketchbook or notebook with me thinking that there's something in it only to find out that it's not in that book. It's in a different one. Um, mm -hmm. And like my notes get jostled and move around. So I try to keep everything all in one spot if possible. Like that's just okay. tends to be how I am. So um, yeah, for and then like for, you know, looking at looking back at things, especially for things like a consistent challenge like this, seeing from day to day and being able to chronicle all the way through it is just easier if it's all in one spot. Um, mm -hmm. All right, so the final thing that's not super happy, uh, but we we heard the news last week that um, because of the um, just the continued situation in the world, Disney had to officially lay off 28,000 people. Um, and some of these people were contract people. Some of them were part-time people. Some of them were full-time. It, it, it ranged on all the different levels. Um, I believe there were even some executives that had to get uh, let go. And so it was um, a big deal and it caused quite a stir uh, within the within the community, especially how they announced it. And so I just wanted to take a second to hear your guys' opinions about the announcement. I have my own opinion. I'll, I'll save it to the end of of hearing what you guys said. You guys have both read Josh Diamaro's um, uh, statement. Yeah, the, the the press release about it. So what were your guys' thoughts? Lauren, have at it. I don't really have super strong thoughts other than like it, you know, like it's unfortunate they had to close down and, you know, let so many people go. It seems inevitable considering that they've had to shut down all the parks and, you know, cut capacity, even if they are letting people in and, you know, like they're just not making money. So how are they going to pay people? I get it. Um, right. But it does suck. And I know there's more controversy to it, but I don't feel like I know enough about it to talk, start talking about it by myself. Okay. 
Yeah, my, here's my knee-jerk reaction. Understanding that knee-jerk reactions are, are rarely the best. I did not like the statement because the statement called out the state of California. In my opinion, I know that there are things happening behind the scenes. I know that, uh, you know, that um, uh, Disney had personnel on uh, a board working with the state for how they reopen, uh, especially as it pertains to uh, businesses and, uh, you know, uh, in their case, theme parks. So I know that uh, conversations are happening. They have people that are in, are in positions to uh, to get their point across and to talk directly with the officials they need to talk to, all that kind of stuff. I know that that's happening. So in my opinion, this type of press release was m- more geared towards employees in the general public. It wasn't geared towards the California government. So to go in and, and air this type of thing in that geared towards that group of people to me just seems like a a poorly veiled attempt at getting a bunch of people up in arms upset at the california government as opposed to what they phrased it at which which is a we're really sorry and and we wish the best for all of y'all so they took something that was more of a um almost apology and in my opinion by adding in that one or two state sentences they put in they really said, okay, this isn't an apology. We're just trying to get more uproar so we can strong-arm the government to get what we want. Uh, and unfortunately, Disney has a history of strong-arming their their government to get what they want as it pertains to Anaheim. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe not in Florida because they have their own city. Just kidding. Um, so <laughs> th- I was frustrated by that release. Now, what Lauren also said, though, is true. I mean, if... People aren't working. If you don't see a window in the parks are going to be open, if, if this or that's going on, then certainly you probably don't need to employ everyone that you were employing before. And if public confidence is low, like I mentioned with theaters, if people haven't rebounded back as quickly as they thought, you know, then they may see that, okay, this recovery we thought from when restrictions were lifted would, would take three months. We actually think it's going to take a year and a half. You know, they have projections we haven't seen. So they are making these decisions based on the projections and models that they have that they aren't showing to the public. And so it's it's just to say, of course, they would end up laying off people. They're, they're not there to be a benevolent company. They're not there to pay salaries for no reason. They're there to run a business and ultimately support shareholders. That's, that's the reality. Hopefully provides magic along the way. And so, of course, they're going to fire people based on their models. I just think that was a... Sh- press release so that's my big feeling on it i yeah it's a it's kind of a both hand so here's what i think on it um i i think i disagree that this was a strong arm tactic i think this was however a uh half of it was was very much written or three quarters of it was written to the public and to the the cast members and to you know to us like the general population um and what we were seeing is a level of frustration come through in the apology and almost the sense that he's having to apologize is frustrating and here's why i I read it that way and why i don't think it's it's inappropriate to have mentioned the thing about the, the california government because in other countries and in other states in our country where Disney has been allowed to 
to put their um, containment and uh, um, all of their all of their health restrictions and things into practice, um, they are seeing very very positive results uh, of how of how this thing is working, and those companies are able to uh, those communities are able to stay at work and stay doing these things. And as long as California isn't allowing them to exercise those same restrictions and see them in place, then they're not giving them an opportunity to make it work. Does that make sense? And so because of that, I can see being very frustrated in this thing of saying, hey, we've we've proven that we can do this in three, four other uh, exact instances uh, throughout Mm -hmm. the world. Um, why aren't you letting us do it here? And you preventing us, or this the the governing body preventing us from being able to do this is forcing our hand. And this is a company that has, and I don't believe that Disney can do no wrong. I do believe that you know there's good and bad with every company. So I, I don't want I don't want people to just hear me saying this and being like, oh, he's the Disney guy, he's he's gonna be on their on their side, whatever. That's not true. Um, but I would say that this is a company that has shown through this process. That they are, um, that they are willing to do whatever they can do to help the cast member, and so they they have furloughed a bunch of people, and all of those people that they furloughed back in March and April, they've been paying for their health benefits and things ever since that point. Even though they've been unemployed and even though they haven't been able to come to work, they have been fitting the bill for that. At a certain point, you can't do that anymore. At a certain point, mm-hmm. you you run out of funds to be able to continue to help. And I can imagine them feeling frustration um, for not being able to exercise and and flex some of the the, the practices that they're that they're putting in in place at these other places and seeing them work with with at least a margin of success, if not great success in these other places. And so I, that's where I think that comes from. I I think maybe it's a little bit of both. Like, I'm sure they are frustrated, but I, I would agree that I felt it was a little aggressive the way that they made that sentence about um, the, the government in California. And just like on another coin, like apart from Disney, like I have a friend who's a hairstylist in California and they were only able to open salons like a few weeks ago. So like all of California is under like really heavy restrictions and it's just different there. And it's not so much about like just Disney because they've proven that they can follow the rules, but then it sets precedent for every other park that's out there, you know, in California. And there are lots of them there. And Florida is a totally different example. I feel like they're taking the opposite approach to California. So it's, it's hard to, like, figure out what the right thing to do is. Like, you know, they're just stuck between a rock and a hard place either way. But the, here, here's the issue. I, I, do, would I feel comfortable going to Disney right now? Yes. If I could go to Disney tomorrow, I'd go to Disney tomorrow. Uh, and I guess I can. Yeah, you saying, can. There's some, <laughs> just, yeah. there's some logistics to it. There's some money. Yeah. But, like, yeah. let me take a step back. I would feel comfortable going to the park. But you have to understand that especially if people are visiting from out of town, they have to stay somewhere. They're going to eat off property. They're going to go other places off property. They're going to go to to Walmarts and CVSs and wherever. And so you're not – it's more than just the park. When you're inviting back these crowds, this is going to infect the entire community. Even if Disney is 100% perfect, you're still going to have all these other businesses that aren't living up to the guidelines Disney's living up to. So we may be in a case where California does come back. And, in fact, this has been in the news this week. California mm. might come back and say, actually, Disney, you can open, but you can only open to locals. 
But then, does Disney even want that? Because then their hotels still sit dormant. They're they're still they're missing out on a lot of food and beverage. They're missing out on hotel stays. So it's possible that that's not even good enough. And in fact, there's been some back and forth where Disney has said, we don't want to see the guidelines. We want to help craft the guidelines. So I say all this to say there is a lot at play. I don't Mm -hmm. know that Disney is content just opening the doors. My guess is Disney wants to open the doors to people that are going to come stay on property. But if you do that, you're also inviting people into other parts of the community. And it's other parts of the community that don't have the same rigorous standards that Disney has. So the fact is, it is a big deal. And even beyond that, if you open for Disney, that might mean you have to open for Six Flags too. Well, do you trust Six Flags? I'm just giving an example here. I I hear you. Do you you trust every other business to the same extent you trust them? So if I could go to Disney, I have no qualms about going to Disney. I trust what they're doing. But the the effects are a lot greater than that. And I agree. I'm not saying that that they are separate at all. I'm just saying the... That is true in all of the other places of the world as well. Disney does not live inside of its own confined bubble anywhere in the world. In, in so, Orlando, they kind of do. Not really, but I, I see what you're saying. They definitely do have more property there, but like I I mean I, I go there. So like there is there is this sense where you still go to Walmart to grab things. you still have to go to a CVS. you still have like those things that you're mentioning. There is all these places to eat off property. You know, it's it is a huge hub. You could argue it's it's significantly larger in terms of like population than California when it comes to the tourist capital area, right? So like that tourist area, the Orlando and uh, Kissimmee and all of that Winter Park, that whole area is exponentially larger than, and you're talking like peoples and population than it is in Anaheim, and mm-hmm. um, the the numbers are showing that things. That things aren't escalating like people thought they would. Numbers are going down. There's some decreasing that's happening, and so well, it's not I, just Disney. Well, let me take Disney. a step back. I don't. How do you mean numbers are going down? Because in every state except for three, coronavirus numbers went up this past month. So I, I just want to be clear for anybody that thinks coronavirus is going down, it isn't just blanketly going down. No, it's no, actually no. getting worse, and several states set records this past. I'm talking month about like this, like so. tracing, right? Like tracing things back to any of the parks or anything like that where there would be like a traceable thing that says hey we have to shut down in shanghai something happened like that where they had to shut down for a couple of days because there was there was like a traceable um thing to the park that's specifically what i'm talking about so what i'm saying is you're you're we're living in this world where these other things are happening um and in california it's they're not they're not different from those places they're not any they're not any more or less immune to those kinds of things happening in those places um so the idea of potentially being given the opportunity to try at something to see about reopening those kinds of things i think are where the the pinch is coming into play but yeah i and again i in my opinion because it's it's so much it's such a fluid situation that changes so often and i know these conversations are happening it's fine for disney to keep pushing back on the state and to keep having a back and forth I think they crossed a line personally by adding that into a press release it, it, in a similar way that uh, this is, it's a whole other topic we won't get into, but there's the Fortnite, what, which is really Epic games versus Apple thing going on right now. And, uh, for, and, uh, Fortnite has been pushing out like basically anti-Apple messaging to its user base. Well, it's a user base is largely children. So you're <laughs> kind of just, it, there's, I, I think it's a, a really 
dirty thing to do to be taking what is uh, uh, two corporations, <laughs> two major corporations battling <laughs> and then trying to ultimately like um, prop- put propaganda in front of an army of 13-year-olds in order to push your side. It feels a little bit like that's happening with Disney. We're talking about the happiest place on earth. It's for kids and families. And then you're pushing out what is in essence your propaganda because it goes it, when it's a battle between a state and a company that has $20 billion cash on hand. I, I just think it's a dirty thing to do. I, I, I disagree with it. They have the money that if they didn't want to fire the people. They didn't have to fire the people. That's also the reality. And just because they didn't get to reopen, like it's easy for them sitting here today to say we have to lay off 28,000 people because of the state of California. But what we don't know is if the state had let them open, would they have still laid off 10,000 people? We don't know. So we're all, we're only hearing this point. little piece right here. We don't actually know the reality. And it's, again, we're talking about major corporations. So I, I don't have much of a heart for it. I have a heart for 28,000 people. I don't have a heart for major corporations. Sure. So anyway. I get that. Mm-hmm. All right, Lauren. Uh... <laughs> I don't even know where to start now. We've like talked about like such I will say... That, di- that Disney in Anaheim, downtown Disney, did just roll out their pumpkin spice churros. That's worth mm, the that drive, even if the park isn't open. I want to be... be clear. I still would go to the park if it was open. <laughs> yeah. No, if if, <laughs> like if, if could, it was if you were there in some dreamland, if you could possibly just go yeah. to Florida and go, then yes. Yeah, I could see you doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I want a churro. Yeah, me too. I could go for a trip. Congrats to Delta, by the way. A lot of airlines making big layoffs. I think there's another like 30,000 layoffs coming between United and American. Delta has announced (laughs) that they won't have to lay out. They won't have to lay off any of their furloughed workers. They're going to be able to keep them all through the end of the year. They they announced that uh, last week or week before, which is a really big deal. Like, good for them. So if you're going to fly, don't. But if you're going to fly, fly Delta. (laughs) Which maybe wouldn't make sense. Maybe you would fly the airline that's having to fire people, right? But I guess if they're already firing people, then you fly the one that... I guess it's confusing. Well, I, I would 22. be nervous to fly in one that's firing people because what if they don't have a pilot? <laughs> true. I mean, hopefully they're like not fi- somewhere. firing the like, essential people. <laughs> what if they fire them mid-flight and they get the email and I don't want to be we on the flight. personally where- know a pilot that's getting fired. So, oh, so really? Maybe. Yeah, I guess. I guess there's just less flights, so everybody's in trouble. I feel like I know a lot of people okay. that are like, yeah, looking for work and stuff too. It's just Here's the I think start your own business. You can't get fired if you run your own business. Yeah. You also may not make You can money. just starve. <laughs> <laughs> but at least at least you'll have a job. But you'll have your yeah. dignity. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, I'm going to switch topics for a little bit to talk about my what I did this week, but then we can talk about more heavy stuff for sure. Uh, oh, thank so, God. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Just gonna mix it up with some fun Halloween stuff in between because it's officially been October first since our last recording. So now I've fully moved into like embracing spookiness and all the good things. Uh, on October first, I went with my uh, roller derby friends and we dressed up like witches and went and skated because it was a full moon and that was super fun. Wow, just nice. <laughs> it's like the best weather ever in Texas right now. So like, just get outside if you live here because it's amazing. Um. And then I've also started my own little Halloween movie marathon. And I do this every year in October. And I don't really have like a strict list of any kind, but I just watch all my favorite spooky or Halloween movies or pretty much exclusively just start watching spooky stuff. So I've got some new TV shows to talk about. Um, This week I watched Adam's Family, the first one. Uh, I can't find the second one on streaming right now, but I love both of them. 
uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Just watch, yeah. just watch Freeform for 24 straight hours. You'll see it at least twice. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> they just play the same movies over and over. And then speaking of like 31 Nights of Halloween, I watched Hocus Pocus twice because I love that movie so much. <laughs> I do love that movie. Yeah, I was. I wanted to watch it to get inspired for your Drawtober, and then I was like still drawing on it later, and I was like, I kind of want to watch it again because I just love that movie. So I try to because because of because of things like that. There's so many iconic things, so I tried to go a different approach. Did you see my my Hocus Pocus? Yeah, yeah, I liked yours. Yeah, um, I tried to do something um, a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. I like that you chose the, like, devil costume thing. It's so funny to, like, watch this movie now because I literally can remember all of these jokes, but I didn't get them when I was a kid. Like, that entire exchange with that guy made no sense to me when I was a kid. And the only thing that doesn't make sense now is why they would invite random strangers to come into their house on Halloween. (laughs) When it's, yeah, I mean... yeah, I, that that whole thing went over my head watching it back now. It's it's a lot funnier, first of all. Oh, it's yeah. a lot more inappropriate than I thought, too. My friend just sent me this post before we got on. It's like uh, like on Instagram. that was like how, talking about how funny like and horny of a movie Hocus Pocus is because like they yes. make fun of the kid for being a virgin like the entire oh, movie. It's, it is a like, running joke. They say the word virgin more times than Madonna. It's crazy. yeah, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> It's crazy. And like the the whole exchange with like the bus driver is like hilarious when you're an adult, but as a kid, it makes no sense. <laughs> when, yeah, exactly. Well, I give me a few tries. I'm sure I can. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like we desire children. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> uh, when she when Danny refers to them as yabos, like oh, just when I he can't, tells, I cr- that he, makes me he loves your yabos actually. <laughs> like wow, yeah. that's even really when he's bold. in his room and like snuggling the pillow and just like Allison, you're so soft. Who in the world would do that? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Which Patrick part? hasn't seen Hocus Pocus. It's very, so. All well, of this now you is, know what to do. I I I've seen things like this, <laughs> <laughs> but you haven't seen the true Hocus Pocus. It's such a good movie, though. It's really wonderful, and I think it's like so fun because you love every character. He has seen Hocus Poke Us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Get it? I don't even want to. Th- yeah, I, I got it. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, I am looking for suggestions for but new spooky movies. <laughs> yeah, it's the word poke. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you're a kid in elementary school, you take a stick and you like you poke a girl because you're attracted poke to us. her. Yeah. 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 Nothing. <laughs> what did you about think? That. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so um, if anybody has recommendations for kind of spooky or fun movies like this, I'm looking for some. I might have just forgotten some um, and or I would like some new ones. Uh, I want to watch all the, the ones tonight. you could think of. Is that that was every no, it's just the ones that I watched could... so far. Oh, I see. So what you... makes a what makes a perfect spooky movie for you? Well, I was really in the mood for like cute Halloween movies, not like okay. scary ones. So that is a difference. And I. They're not created equal. <laughs> I have one that you didn't say. Ernest Scared oh. Stupid is one of the best spooky movies because it actually does have some real scariness in it, but it's also funny because uh-huh. it's Ernest. Um, mm-hmm. It's have you seen it before? What was it? Ernest Scared Stupid. Oh my gosh, I haven't seen this since I was really little, like Featuring renting it from Blockbuster times. Like the, the amazingly <laughs> talented Mr. Uh, Jim Varney, who, by Jim the way, Varney. didn't he actually create that character himself? Yeah, 
That's and his he wrote name a isn't lot actually of the lines Ernest. And... Wait, his name is not actually Ernest. No, his name is Jim Varney. I, I want to say I think he like died of lung cancer or something. Ernest is a yeah. Ernest is his character. It but started Ernest, as commercial. I thought this was like an actor playing business. himself kind of thing, like a no. joke. I never knew this. He he was making commercials for like a local company, and he created the character and he wrote his own lines and whatever, and somehow went from that to making full blown movies. Yeah, uh, you need to watch between now <laughs> and between now why and next I week. This. This, yeah, <laughs> between now and next week, you need to watch Ernest Scared Stupid. I bet you it makes its way into your rotation of spooky movies. Yeah, because it's it's like Hocus Pocus in that way, where there's mm-hmm. there actually is some some like creepiness to it. This one's a little bit creepier. This one's almost like the movie Leprechaun mixed with because the, yeah. there's this like goblin okay. troll thing, um, and the like the 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 makeup and stuff on that thing is legit. Like the prosthetics for that is legit. It's gross, but okay. uh, it's, it's kind of wrapped around um, <laughs> this earnest character. And so it's all lighthearted and, and kind of fun. So I think it would hit both levels for you. And on Perfect. that note, if you're interested in Jim Varney, there's a documentary coming out called the importance of being earnest. That is going to talk Cute. about Jim Varney's life. Really? Well, well maybe I, I'm the ideal audience. <laughs> So I don't need to learn more. I don't know what platform. I know last I heard about it was in June. I want to say back in June they actually dropped a trailer for it. So you can find like the teaser for the important of, importance of being earnest, but um or you'll find Oscar Wilde's book one or the other. But I don't actually know <laughs> when it's going to come out, what platform. I don't have any details. I just know yeah. there's a documentary about Jim Varney on the way. I'm trying to think of like what makes a perfect spooky movie and I might have to get back to you next week cuz I don't necessarily have like a tangible answer. <laughs> But I think like a good amount Intangibilities, of Intangibilities like, like ghosts. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll I'll come back to that next week. But I have some do more uh, like, few more shows. Do you tend to like movies geared towards children? Sometimes. Okay. It depends. What about Bewitched? Like Oh yeah, yeah. Like like who's in the new one? Like Will Ferrell and who's the witch? I remember. It's, I didn't uh, like that. Nicole movie Kidman. Much, but I used Nicole to like the Kidman, show. Yeah. Is it Nicole Kidman? I think yeah, it's, it's Nicole, Nicole Kidman. I think so, yeah. I was thinking it was her, but I was like, I can't like actually picture her in that movie. Um, but yeah, that would, that's not a terrible one. Uh, I was thinking, like my friend put up her list and she had a really good one. Um, she had like Practical Magic on it, which is a great movie. Um, I want to watch The Witches, especially because they're doing that um, new remake with Anne Hathaway that looks great. Um, Harry Potter. Yeah, well, I've, I've covered that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Is Harry Potter Christmas though, right? Like, no, we. Not, Mariana no, made we, the comment the other day about about uh, about. I mean, the joke in my opinion is that like they play that movie on Christmas every year, especially the first one, because they say "Merry Christmas." I think like that's the only thing that makes it a Christmas movie. It is qualifies. Those words it as are a uttered. Christmas movie is because they say it. Yeah, all right. I guess. I guess. But I, if, if I had to pick one holiday for Harry Potter, I would much more pick Halloween. But yeah. it's not really either even a Halloween movie, technically. <laughs> it's just like witches and wizards, so in pumpkins. So there you go. Andrew, what are your Halloween must watches? What are my Halloween must watches? Uh, Other Hulk? than uh, the SNL sketch with um, David Pumpkins. David Pumpkins. What else is it? Um, <laughs> any questions? <laughs> any questions? And the B Boy skeletons are part, part of, of it. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I so uh. Hocus Pocus is one, um, and that's it. <laughs> okay. That's, great. that's, that's honestly, the only one I like. have to watch every year, right. personally. I end and up watching I, a bunch of other stuff, too, but like I don't even have to watch The Great Pumpkin. 
Like I'm not like into mm-hmm. the Great Pumpkin that way. Uh, I I think there will be I ebb and flow with what with what else I watch, but I for sure watch Hocus Pocus at least once. Um, mm-hmm. I like watching some scary, scary movies, but like in terms of like yes. fun, scary movies, like yeah, that's that's one that I make sure I watch. I'm working into the scary, scary stuff. <laughs> Speaking of which, I watched a new show that's on HBO Max called The Murder at White House Farm. Um, I didn't really realize before I started watching that it's based on a true story. I thought it was more of a like ghost story kind of thing. Story. Which, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I just thought it was going to be a little less serious than it is because it's like a true story that kind of changes the vibe a lot. Um, I also thought it was ghosts, like I said, so that definitely changes it. <laughs> um, but it's it's pretty good. Uh, I watched all of it. It's six episodes. It really should have been three. Um, the story itself is really interesting, like the crime, but the way that they told it was like way too drawn out, in my opinion. Um, but if you like murder stories and want some kind of, you know, background stuff, this is definitely like not bad. It's like, you know, it was pretty entertaining and I was like really into watching the next episode. But um, yeah, I just couldn't believe how long it was at the end, to be honest. <laughs> I would watch, okay, Rocky Horror Picture Show, I'd probably watch. Oh, yeah, that's definitely one I need to put on my I list. I can't believe Andrew didn't say Ghostbusters. I feel like you have to throw I've that in. I've seen Ghostbusters so much that I don't You've always watch Hocus that You've seen Hocus Pocus so much, so I don't I w- think I watched Ghostbusters like a month and a half. Yeah, that's I, a th- I, like, I, watch I watch Ghostbusters anyway. I only watch Hocus Pocus. Coraline? Or, uh, Are you going to watch Coraline this year? I've never seen Coraline all the way through. Oh, It's so good. I love surprising. that movie. It's really good. It's yeah. scary. And if you, you, you want something, <laughs> if you want something modern, the, the Jack Black uh, Goosebumps films... Whatever. Oh, those are good. Those are fun. You can watch those. Those those yeah, would probably fit those. into your category, and they're yeah, yeah they're fun. Oh, I you haven't seen that them one at all. With Jack Black. No, I the the house with the clock in the walls looked kind of cool. Really Jack interesting. Black and my favorite part of that film, he's walking down the stairs at one point, whistling, and he's whistling a Tenacious D song, and I think it's hilarious. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah clock. Uh, the house with the clock in its walls or whatever is uh, also a fun watch, and. Does that also take place partially around Halloween? I think it does. I think there's a. Big I think scene. you're thinking of it Jumanji. Huh? <laughs> no, I'm not. I think yeah, Jack Black, and the... Kevin Hart, and The Rock, Dwayne The Rock nope. Johnson. Nope. That's also you're the wrong thinking Jumanji. Of, you're thinking of <laughs> Central Intelligence. Oh yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. <laughs> when he freaking breaks his finger, I laugh so hard. All right, go ahead, Lauren. Uh yeah, but I think we're gonna change topics again to more sad things. Uh, something that came up in our Slack that about closings is uh, Mondo might be closing its gallery space. Or oh, is they, closing it, I suppose. It's done. There's another yeah. place already moved in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's I literally it's, a rendering it's, uh, it's of a like, different sign over the back door. <laughs> so. yeah. oh, okay. I just saw like the people in it. I didn't know. And I still don't know if it's permanent. They could have rented it to those people to, you know, like for certain, like rent for a certain amount of months, potentially sure. like, cause I get like now you're not having events. You don't need this space, you know, and I and I even get it from the pers- business perspective of like you never needed it really. But like I just really don't want events to go away and their events were really cool. And like I hope that in the future like or like this isn't a sign that like they're just giving up on that and they're going to be like online only from now on because like you can still throw a gallery show without owning a gallery outright. Like you can rent a gallery, you know, like they could have a deal with the people that they sold it to where they're going to have shows. there still like, there are so many possibilities. Like I used to run a gallery when I was in college for a little while or like helped run one. And like, you don't always like set up in your spot. Like it changes all the time. 
Yeah. So I wouldn't necessarily think like, cause this could even open them up to be able to travel to other cities when they have shows. Like it could be a big opportunity to not be chained to one spot, but still be able to throw shows. But I hate that the actual spot is closed. It's sad. Yeah. It's it. Yeah. I, I have mixed feelings about it. Cause while I understand at the same time, I'm like, dang, that was one thing we always got invited to. <laughs> that that was the last thing we got invited to i know it's uh, yeah yeah it's so it's like so let me clue some people in real quick we don't we don't know a lot because mondo hasn't announced anything all we know is that martha's contemporary has posted several photos from inside the gallery and uh referencing at referencing it as like hanging out in our space in our new home well they even changed their address to that address yeah yeah, it's got the right. So it all seems pretty final, um, and and again, there's some uh, for apparently there's a show called Video Picnic happening there, uh, or apparently it happened over this past weekend, the second and the third. So there's another picture with the Video Picnic neon sign over the back door uh, of Mondo. So which I guess maybe is no longer Mondo, but again, nothing has been announced. It's just some people saw the pictures and and pointed it out, and it is what it is. We probably should drive up there. Not that that will help anything, but it'd be nice to go see the space again. Yeah, I don't know. I I have so many mixed feelings about Mondo and their trajectory, and um, Mm -hmm. that I is it going to be one of the? Are you are you fearful? And maybe fearful is too strong a word, but are you? Are you contemplating the idea that it might be one of those we knew you when situations? Yeah, God, well, I yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's fun. There's a book called Company of One by Paul Jarvis, uh, which I might actually reference in a little bit when we do master categories. And uh, it, it basically talks about the idea that for many of us, we believe that in order for a company to be successful, it basically has to have unbridled growth. It has to always be getting bigger, always be getting bigger. And um, But the reality is in order to do that, there's, of course, sacrifices you have to make along the way. And so there's a decision you can make to intentionally not grow in order to preserve things at a certain level. And what I would say is it seems like Mondo is absolutely on that growth trajectory, but that will mean sacrifices. And so it will not be the Mondo it was a year ago, just like the Mondo a year ago wasn't the Mondo from four years ago. I mean, it's yeah. there are people that were feeling this long before now, and I, I just don't think that Mondo is, is especially when we get on the other side of COVID, because now we also ha- we're adding in the fact that we have time away. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I just think that, that yeah, it, it was a way and it won't be that way again. And some of the sacrifices, I don't know that for me are tenable. Like, I don't know that I'll continue to engage with them to the level that I did before. But if they choose growth, which they seemingly are and they're having success, then this is just the reality of that choice. Yeah. yeah, I totally feel all of that. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it, it was a cool space. Sad. Who knows? Maybe they're just going to get a space that's five times that size. I don't know. Or maybe they tra- transition totally online. We don't know. Uh, yeah, and and there are a lot totally of spaces like Mondocon. like yeah, and there are a lot of spaces like where I live in Houston, um, where like they do like somebody owns the building, but they rent out the shop for like a certain number of months and then it changes, you know? And so like, we've had this one spot near my house. That's been four different shops intentionally only set up to run for like three months, you know? Now I'll throw out something. I'm, this is just a so weird could be thought, some, you know, who knows? Oh, I'm sorry. If I cut you off prematurely, oh, no, it's okay. this could be a really weird thought. Just throwing it out there. Feel free to tell me I'm an idiot for even suggesting this, but th- I'm assuming this is a safe space since I own 33% of it. 
Um, I don't know if so. Okay, when you buy something online, how much you pay uh, and what you pay when it comes to tax and shipping is partially determined by whether a store has a brick and mortar or not. So I don't know if this is a case that by selling a building, it changes, it has any type of price implications or tax implications by suddenly no longer having that gallery space. I'm just throwing out a wild thought here that there could be other factors driving a decision. Maybe they do in the future just rent out spaces but not own a permanent space and maybe that has greater financial implications uh, beyond just the property of the building. It could have implications to the final price a, a person pays online or what their you know, tax obligations mm-hmm. are. I don't know. Again, I'm throwing out craziness here, but who knows the implications it has? I'm not a smart businessman, so I don't. But it would seem to me like yeah. this is them getting rid of their brick and mortar. Well, we do still have friends. Uh, we have a lot of friends over at Mondo. Just we a quick do text. Have, just a couple of quick texts. Um could probably answer some of these questions. No, I like I like not you like knowing. just speculating. I love speculating because yeah. basically I mean, it's their choice, you know. Like, and it I even can, if it, yeah, even if any of this is true or not true, doesn't matter too much. It's still like you just have to make decisions. Basically, when I hang up these headphones, I can just assume I was right. But when we yeah. ask someone, but what I like to knows? do is I like to cross reference with the people who actually know the information, you know so that Andrew, you can be proven wrong. Andrew, go on. You sent out a message. Just ask, just ask a question. Just go and send out a message. Next week, or probably in the Slack, we'll let you know what we find out. But we'll yeah. start with the simple question, did you sell your gallery space? And then we're yeah. going to move on from there. Yep. Yeah. To text I'm just curious code. that they haven't told anybody, you know, like publicly. They're Honestly, they've, they've never been good at social media. Yeah. I'm just it's kidding. Just I don't know. I'm just kidding. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I was like, I don't, I don't know. It's just interesting. Like, I don't know how I feel about it either way. It just is something to think about in the mystery of it all. Well, it there, I, I would not say, well, again, it's, this is more speculation, but I can say whatever I want to. I don't think it's because of financial struggles. I don't, I, I don't think it's that. Um, it it might probably be more practical more... than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Because at this point, who knows making... when you could throw a show. So, like, what's the point in just sitting on that when you can't even have people come look at stuff? Really? Which what's weird? Because what's Austin weird. property is skyrocketing. Here's what's weird. Yeah. Here's what's weird. Why can't they do a show? Just let in ten people at a time, which is what they do anyway. Yeah. I mean, they let That's in more point. than ten people, but let in they let in a, a a small crowd of people in waves. Seems like that the gallery experience could still function the same way. May, you could argue you could argue maybe even slightly more efficiently. <laughs> Make the entire gallery a queue is what you do. So like when you walk in, they just have mm-hmm. the queue in such a way you'll pass everything, but it's a socially distanced queue and it ends at the register. So when you walk in, you're already in line for the register and you just queue through the whole thing and at the end, there's no going back. Call the show, no going back. Yeah. Ah, yeah. that's really clever. <laughs> and it's just well i don't know the subject matter different people's licensing. interpretation of 2019 <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you guys want to talk about uh inktober next oh man we've talked about so weird much topics. remember I know, when i said I know. this episode off air i said this episode was gonna be 30 minutes <laughs> we're, we're i know, an hour I know. but we okay we said that's we why talk- I, that's why i asked here. we can save it we can save we it know, i don't we'll know if quick. i have that much we to add to it either honestly we said we would talk about it this will be very quick after I watched Alfonso, I don't know these people's names. What's his name? Is it Alfonso? Yeah. Done? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that was it. 
Albatross. I watched Alfonso Dunn, and I watched like other people that rebutted it, and I watched these. I okay, Alfonso looks a bit like a clown. I mean, let me just throw this out there: the amount of stuff that he's claiming is like that he invented his yeah is just ridiculous. It's absolutely insane the the amount of techniques that he would act like nobody in the world knew before he existed and that mm-hmm. and that he pulled out of his ass okay yeah so i think the video makes him look like a clown that <laughs> said that said there are a lot of instances of similar type content being grouped together or overall the amount of of subjects that they both co- like use in parallel especially mm-hmm. when you do break down other art books. It's not that other art books don't contain the same techniques because they do, Alfonso, chill out. But I, I will admit the frequency of these things showing up would suggest that there's a bit of, it could be standing on the shoulders of giants and it could be malicious intent. I don't know. But it would suggest that there's some stuff that's pulled from. So I, I agree uh, that after watching all this stuff, it wouldn't surprise like I I think there's something there. And we do know that um Jake Parker has read Alfonso's book because he posted an Instagram post about his book right. months ago. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we do know that it's obviously been referenced by him. Right. But again, I think Alfonso claiming all these techniques are his aren't his. So mm-hmm. I think it's pushed too far and it, he goes straight for maliciousness. I don't think everything's malicious. He didn't give any room. That's the there's two pieces for me. He didn't mm-hmm. leave any room for that. He didn't leave any room for uh just like uh artistic inspiration. He didn't leave any room for that. And the other thing that he did that that really rubbed me the wrong way um is he kept referencing in his video multiple times how it took it took him so much time and energy and effort to come up with these things that first of all uh aren't even his to own like they aren't his concepts to own um like the majority it, of them the majority of them yeah they're not his artistic like like textures and things like these are not things that he owns they're not an ip at all right um they've been referenced but you go back and look at at uh what was I saying to you, Patrick? Like, go back and look at Leonardo da Vinci's sketchbook, and he's referencing some of these things that that mm-hmm. um, this guy is saying. Like, he puts all this time and effort into. But the part that really got me was the implication being that Jake Parker is just not putting any effort in, and that he doesn't care about teaching people the way that he does, and that he couldn't have possibly put in that amount of effort. And he couldn't have concepted those ideas on his own. Exactly. Yeah, left to his own, he Mm. wouldn't be able to have come to that Mm -hmm. conclusion himself. He had to have stolen those ideas from him, which he put all the effort into. I know Jake Parker, personally. We've talked. um, And he is deeply knowledgeable. He is deeply caring of the community and in teaching people. That's what he does. He is an instructor at heart. And so the idea that only one like he he owns like a proprietary uh rule on being able to care enough about his work to put in the energy and the effort that to me rubbed me the wrong way and i'm not saying that that jake is totally you know blamelessness i do think what happened was he did reference this book saw that there were some things that made sense grouped together and and that influenced his in, influenced the you know the it compilation seems pretty of the clear book. stuff got pulled from Dunn's book. I mean that right. seems pretty clear, and so that's and, it's not refuting that at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just Dunn 
positions it in such a way that it's purely malicious, that Jake has no talent, that he nobody can think of this stuff but Dunn. If anybody else does it, it's because they stole it from Dunn. Like, right. that video is just so full of himself. I mean, just he, to play lost, devil's advocate for a second, though, like going like what you said about Disney, like maybe he's just angry to that day, like that he because he's really frustrated that like, you know, but he feels when you this put way. but when you but and, and I'm I not necessarily it. Agreeing, I, I don't I'm doubt saying, it, but, like, but what I'm saying is that you have to understand that when you make those claims and especially when you make those claims in a public sphere, mm-hmm. th- those are potentially like damaging like that. That's yeah. like mm-hmm. like I we can't come up, come on this show and spew a bunch of lies about companies because guess what those if those especially if it affects those bot their bottom line right those companies are gonna sue us that's what's gonna happen this show's gonna get shut down they're gonna come after us for damages whatever whatever so mm. when dunn made those claims of of theft and and like intellectual theft and and ripping this stuff off and plagiarism and then he's going after a team of lawyers that's the reality he he's going yeah. after the publishing company he put those in a public sphere he could have messaged him he could have had a conversation. Uh, he says he tried to. Jake Parker says he didn't. So who knows? But mm-hmm. Jake Jake Parker is going to be quiet at this point because his lawyers are going to handle it. And I understand if you're angry, but you just made some serious allegations intentionally trying to cost someone else business, business. yeah, and mm-hmm. trying to affect their image. And the thing is, Alfonso Dunn is not some small guy. If you add up their followers on Instagram, on YouTube, mm-hmm. on Facebook, whatever, Alfonso Dunn actually has more followers than Jake Parker. So he's not some small independent artist. Okay, it's it's two mm-hmm. pretty decently sized guys going at each other. It's California and Disney. <laughs> so it's <laughs> just, just more, like more of the same. <laughs> so Dunn, you, you gotta put up with me calling you a clown or whoever's gonna call you a clown because that's how you came out the gate. <laughs> that's the yeah. reality. Now, I do think there I I do think there's clearly something there. I think something. in the very least Jake's book needs to say like cre- uh, you know crediting the other author of hey, I I got a lot of inspiration by. I think there needs to be something. And that happens all the yeah. time. It's totally right. yeah. normal for that to happen, yeah. but you just need to give credit and I think maybe that's yeah. the only problem to be real. Like I don't think it's like sure. I don't think it was like evil or malicious. I think it was like inspired by other work that's similar and we but are at we this are point now. like but, but <laughs> gosh like Dunn came said, out swinging but that's the thing that oh, yeah. at this point now it's it's going to come back now even if it was something that could have simply been handled by saying hey at a at a credit line in the in the production notes or in the print notes um that is now going to come back around to hey you defamed my character you yeah. publicly you know all these things it's now become a legal matter <laughs> And uh, no, I, I understand. Yeah. Like now, it's, now it is not that situation. Now it's grown yeah. into a whole nother thing. Yeah. But maybe that would have been like more reasonable to have started on that foot instead of coming out on the attack, you know, because yeah. I, I, I totally and- agree with what you guys are saying. And I it's just tough because like I, I think this combined with like copywriting Inktober has kind of just put like an icky taste on Inktober. And it kind you of know, sucks. I wonder and this is, and so again, this is, it's one of those things that we won't, we, we won't know the answer to ultimately. Uh, but I, I made the comment a second ago about, you know, unbridled growth. But I wonder if there's a thing of, you know, did Jake want to copyright it or does Jake have a lawyer? 
And that lawyer comes to him and says, no, you need to do this. And these are the reasons why. And Jake says, I, I okay. Saw his, like, I saw the reasons about why he did it. And I also yeah. understand that. But I still yeah. feel weird about it. Like, I no, get and, his and I agree, reasons. But, it's totally within his rights. It, and he didn't do anything wrong. But I feel weird about it, for sure. And, but I'm just saying, this is just the... There are so many implications to these. Uh, there's so many facets to these subjects that we mm-hmm. can't and don't or, or, or won't ever know. And uh, the amount of speculation, like people, people like pick up pitchforks. Like, people get really upset, and they they immediately want to write off everything an artist does as garbage. Yeah, that's, and it's that's what I think is frustrating is that it it goes from like someone maybe made a mistake to like bury it, them. Well, like the, the pendulum to... swings so hard, and and whenever those allegations get made, whether they're true or not, it triggers this Pavlovian response in people these days, which is to go on the offense to be completely like dig, 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 dig against whatever that thing is. And in the reality, most often we're only ever seeing a small fraction of what's actually happening below the surface. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and the thing that comforts me, uh, weirdly, a little bit, is I do have to remind myself that even the the responses I see are still in, we, we all kind of live in an information vacuum or, or an mm-hmm. information like loop, right? Uh, very, like we tend to be inundated with the things that we already like and the people we already like. It's very rare that we're being bombarded with new stuff. You have to be really intentional. Being bombarded with nude stuff. Nude stuff. Well, it depends (laughs) on what your preferences are set to. So (laughs) the thing that I have to remind myself is sometimes when I feel like, oh gosh, this angry mob around me, that angry mob could just exist in my information vacuum that I've created. And it could be that that's not actually the global mentality. And so I have to, Mm -hmm. I, that's the thing that, at least gives me some comfort. <laughs> that I maybe is that I just, you 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 have a much smaller world than what you'd like to think. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's yeah. probably good. Like the point is, like I'll look around and feel like, oh, th- why is the whole world doing X, Y, and Z? And the reality is, it's not the whole world. It's twenty people that I follow, and so yeah, whatever. Things yeah. aren't always on fire. They feel like they're always on fire. It really does this year. <laughs> there was like a whole scandal that I missed last week because of, there's just literally been so much stuff. Like Too many on. scandals. I didn't even know about the Melania Trump tapes. I had to Google that this morning. I am just now hearing about this. I didn't yeah, hear about she those. Got caught let, on me, a hot let me mic. go grab. Let me go grab some. Uh, <laughs> wait, I milk. Did, no, wait. I think I I saw a video. For, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google that for later. There's just yeah. so much. How how do you? But like literally, like that happened the same day that they announced that Trump and Melania had COVID. So like I completely missed this. There's just a lot and going on right now. Jake Parker announced his Inktober prompts. Just kidding. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I didn't hear about the it's Trump having happening. COVID because of Jake Parker, and it's just, there's so yeah. much stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Inktober is fun, and just enjoy whatever you want to do. Are you doing Drawing Inktober? in October. I'm not doing a real Inktober. I'm doing whatever I want because I'm tired of, like, trying to do something every day. I don't want to stick to one theme. I have too many ideas, so I'm just doing what I want. <laughs> here's here's what I, here's a, a bone that I shall pick. Um and I don't even really care, but I'm just going to say it because we're on the topic of it. People are using our uh, our Draw-tober stuff, our Disney Draw-tober stuff. People will still tag Inktober in that. Because, it, yeah, that's the thing is that beca- it's, good, it's grown into something bigger, you know, than just that one, exp- you know, prompt list and whatever. It was just, right. you know, like what I was trying to say when we originally brought this up is that like it's been around for 10 years and it's really yeah. evolved into like everybody creating their own lists and doing whatever they want. And like there's even like 
I would, how do I put this? Like anti-Inktober people on my Twitter feed that are not because of any of this, just because they feel like it's too mentally. They don't draw every month in October? Every yeah, day they, in October? Yeah, they specifically, they throw away art every day in October. <laughs> no, like, let me finish this thought. Like they, they will like discourage people from trying to do these challenges that stress them out too much because like some people turn in like finished elaborate paintings that would take yeah. me a month in one day. And I don't understand how they do that. And like, I can get a sketch done every few days. So that's what I do. Like yeah. killing yourself over the, the silly drawing challenges is not worth it. Like if it just ceases have fun to be with fun. It. Like, right. If it ceases to be fun, stop doing it. And that was, that's been, and that's my... kind of the, uh, that's another camp of people, you know, in the Inktober world. <laughs> there is, there is a, there is a caveat to that though. The caveat sure. is if you are the person putting on the challenge, you no. do then have yeah. to follow through with that challenge. No, I, I learned absolutely that agree. Because like around. I've done my small ones before and like, yeah, if you host it, you have to do it. But like are I mean, are you actually doing them one every day and not banking them? Because I did that every time I've done it. Like you banked no, them, is what you're saying? No comment. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm, I'm starting to bank a few of them because I'm, I might be traveling next week. And so I'm starting to bank yeah, a few of them. That's the thing. But like, you I have just been have doing stuff them every come day. up on days. You can't like, yeah. you know, always, yeah. you can post them every day, but actually drawing one thing every day nope. is not totally viable. That is viable. not the spirit of the, com I disagree. That's not the you spirit You don't draw, Patrick. You can't say that. Like so I can, this is speculation. I can say what I want and I'm right. Okay. Because it's speculation. <laughs> Because spirit, my parents aren't from this country. The spirit <laughs> of the... I can't say that. Okay. The spirit of I knew the where drawing you, I knew thing, what you were going to say there. The spirit of the drawing thing is that you're developing your skill by being consistent every day for a month. So I think in order to live up to the spirit of the competition, you have to draw every day. In theory, now, that is correct. As now, someone who has never done it, that's great for you. <laughs> But there's a it discipline. It's really hard to do there, in practicality. There is still a <laughs> discipline in, like, if in 31 days you draw for 25 of those days, but a couple of those days you draw two images because you know that there are going to be days where you can't do it. That doesn't break the spirit of it. That doesn't break the. Um, it yes, doesn't break exactly. the diligence. It doesn't break the the uh, the discipline of putting together that many drawings based on a prompt in a in a time period. I'm gonna start start. Start. I'm Oct going to start. Octcoder. And I'm going to code something every day in October. Every day I'm like going gonna, gonna to put together a code prompt list mm -hmm. next year, obviously. And what you'll do is at the end of it, everyone will have contributed to some product you're going to release at the end. And, they, and then I'm going to pull a Jake Parker and I'm going <laughs> to copyright whatever it is. Yeah. Lock down that it. GitHub site, and then you're just yeah. gonna publish it. Absolutely, <laughs> that's what's gonna. So, Octocoder, look for it next year, 2021. Well, assuming you know, the world's still here, you know someone's gonna do that now, right? And you cannot blame them when they take it and you don't do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I bet. I it's actually God, a Alfonso good idea. Dunn. I love that. Uh, Alfonso Dunn did that back in 2008. <laughs> oh, might have. I don't know. <laughs> See if you can get him to do uh, draw Disney over. Here's a question: We're an hour mm -hmm. and 20 minutes in. I Do know. you think we can cover all three of our categories in 10 minutes? 
Is that when you need to leave by? No, it's I just we try to stay fine. around an hour and a half. I'm just saying. Listen, listen, we can. Oh, well, I do. I've been saying I'm going to talk about You guys about have something product. to actually talk about. And I was just going to talk about another show. So like, I'll save mine for some other time. We can do. How about totally let's not even call it Master Categories. This is freeform. Can we just yeah. should we just go into it? Yeah. Freeform. 31 what days. What can we call Halloween. this last time? Unstructured talking time. <laughs> Unstructured talking time. <laughs> That's right. Okay. <laughs> so welcome to a not. I'm just gonna welcome to a not master category. Here's here's the next piece of it. That's the musical That's, part. Yeah, I like that. Please use that instead. <laughs> I've been saying that I would talk about this product, and uh, so I guess I have to now. That, yes. That's it. But I also, but in talking about it, too, I, I also wanted to. Uh, I also want to talk about. Um, the idea of passive income, which is a, a phrase that I just hate phrases I hear a lot. That's the thing. It's not even that it's a bad phrase. It's a great phrase. Yeah, like happy birthday. Uh, hate please it. get off of my <laughs> coattails. Hate All it. of these phrases you hear regularly. Yeah, I hate I hate it. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> you know, you're get, uh, stop looking through my window. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you're inadequate in bed. Any of these things. <laughs> they break it you know. <laughs> These regular everyday things. Yeah. So we hear passive. The, the things we hear are we hear hustle and passive income. I swear is the only like yeah. if if you want to be a you better hustle than some passive income. If you want to be an artistic mm-hmm. influencer, go ahead and just put those in every other sentence that you say, and and you'll be good. So, I, but I want to talk about the product, and I, and I want to talk about these ideas. But let me start with the product, so I can just get out of the way, and be done. So he, here's what happened. I, I do a lot of work with churches. And we're going through COVID right now. We're going through coronavirus. People are, are being pushed to primarily interact with churches in a, in a digital capacity, which is good. Um, and because of that, churches are having to consider, well, how do we engage with people? Because most of the time, a lot of churches just try to get you through the door. And then they have all their big stuff planned for when you get through the door. Uh, and so they, they can be pretty uh, weak on the side of digital engagement. And, and obviously can't do that anymore. And, and on top of that... Yes, you have some churches that are incredibly forward-thinking. Uh, you have some that are too much so, like they want to use every little new thing. But for the most part, you have churches that, if, if, frankly, w- if we were to look at it from the perspective of a business, what they're doing is completely inadequate from a digital standpoint. Uh, and then when you talk about smaller churches, that's assuming a church has resources. That's assuming that we're hitting this like probably 750 attendees above number. Uh, if you're if you're a church of 50 people, 75 people, which is a lot of churches, by the way, a lot of churches are very small like that. Uh, by the way, quick fact: there's 330,000 churches in America. Do you know that? Wow. On a scale that of one to ten. Yeah, huge, <laughs> huge difference. Um, and so you have to imagine most of those are these like 50 member churches, or a lot of them are. Uh, I know we talk about mega churches. But there aren't as many as there are tiny churches. So those churches may not have a website at all. Or if they do have a website, a volunteer might have set it up and then like left the church and now nobody knows how to use it. Or maybe they have something <laughs> online, but it's not actually mobile friendly or it's missing things and nobody knows how to edit it or nobody can afford a developer or a designer to make changes. Um, and for some of these places, you know, $50 a month is too much. $100 a month is too much. And, and so... Because of that, you can't afford to hire a designer that costs $100 an hour or, or hire a developer that costs $150 an hour. You can't do it. You have to rely on what people give you. So all that said, knowing that digital engagement is super important, knowing that churches are uh, enormously behind the times, at least a lot of them, and knowing the resource limitations of predominantly smaller churches, which is the predominant 
I, I guess the, the majority of churches, uh, I wanted to make a product that helped all of those things. Uh, and so what I did is I, I made um, a, it's a one page thing. Have I shown this to you, Lauren? Have you seen it? Great. Not the fin- oh, like well, little you've, pieces. Se- you've seen, you've seen the code. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was showing off uh, Stripe webhooks. Yeah. Like some uh, before we started, stuff, but not really the full product. Yeah. So, so the idea here, it, it, it's, it's a single page. I mean, it's super simple. People listening right here could totally steal it from me if you want to, but please don't. I would like to make a living off of this. Thank you. Um, but it, it, it's a single page. It's meant to be used on a mobile device only, and it's meant to replace using something like an app. So a lot of times places think, oh, we need our own app because we want people to be able to engage with us uh, uh you know, on their phone when they're sitting in service or they're at home watching their TV or whatever. So we want them to have an app to use. But the thing is, uh, apps are not cheap. They're incredibly expensive to develop. Or if you use one of these existing church app companies, you're going to be still paying 75 bucks a month or 100 bucks a month or whatever it is to have one of these. Uh, an app is also not the most accessible thing you can do. If you're thinking in terms of accessibility, browser-based is the most accessible way you can go. As long as you have a browser, mm-hmm. you can access it. In, we're almost to the place where like our toaster is going to have a browser, our, our fridge has a browser, but the idea is that any old device can use it. When you have an app, you're making the statement that you can't interact with me unless you have a modern enough phone that has access to this digital storefront or uh, unless you... you know, <laughs> and in the case of like my parents, you remember your Apple ID password so that you can actually use the app store. <laughs> right, because you're, you're sitting in church or sitting in a service and they, someone <laughs> wants you to pull up an app and you can't even remember how to access this thing. So... It's just a mess. So we wanted it to be, uh, I want to be browser-based. I want it to be very simple. I wanted you to be able to use it if you weren't a designer or developer. So it is a single page. It looks a little bit like an app. That's the idea. You have one primary link, okay? You have six secondary links. You have four social links. Uh, the only design you can do, um, you can. we have pre-built-in icons you can select for each button, okay? All these mm-hmm. links are buttons, and all the icons are, are pre, pre-designed. You don't have to add icons yourself. There's a list of like 30 that are included when we start. And they're icons that are specific to churches. So the things that are going to pertain to like baptism and Bible and, and youth groups and children's ministries and all that kind of stuff. And uh, social links that also pertain to churches as well and understanding what they use. Uh, but you can set light mode or dark mode. You can set a primary color. And you can add a logo. That's what you can do. Outside of that, everything else is already done for you. And because it's just a group of links and icons, you can basically paste in URLs and then do everything else from drop-down selectors in the back end. So within just a few minutes, five minutes, eight minutes, whatever, you can spin up this page. And it's called ChurchLink. That's what it's called, churchlink.page. And your church can have this one-page mobile hub where all your stuff is. Uh, and if you want to know what this is like, it's basically like a church link tree. I mean, that's very similar. It's like if you've used link yeah. tree, you understand why that's useful. You understand that you have a Dribble and an Instagram and a, and a Shopify and your web page. And how do you connect people to all that stuff? Well, link tree is an inexpensive way of doing that. This is similar. It's just geared towards what churches need. And therefore, it has church-specific iconography and, and mm-hmm. layout and things like that. So... This is a way that while someone's at home because of COVID or because they're not confident about public or whatever, they can still access a church's uh, live stream page and their social links and and their giving page and all those type of things. 
churches could choose to use this instead of a web page if they wanted to. That's up to them. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, again, it's very, very basic, but it's meant to be basic. The idea isn't to add in features because then I would alienate the people that you're building don't know it for development and design exactly yeah. and the other idea is to, the other thing is we don't want to add in price so ultimately you can get this for 10 bucks a month uh which basically anybody can afford 10 dollars a month and that's not a per person thing that's a per organization so that's saying like if, really if you have whether you have a 50 member church or a 5000 member church it's 10 dollars that's what it is 10 dollars a month so um that is the idea that's the product and that product will be launching later this week um, awesome. Very, very excited about that. Uh, Congratulations! Yeah, it'll, be, it'll, it'll be great to finally have that going. But on that note, I'm trying to we're trying to fit this all in in time. On that note, I did so I did want to <laughs> throw out a couple of things uh, about the idea of passive income. So the reason I'm building this, where this comes from, is that I've actually had several churches come to me before now requesting something similar to this. And mm-hmm. uh, you talk to enough people, and and I, you have to understand, I I've been working in the church world. I started well. I started volunteering when I was thirteen. Is when I first started volunteering in church, but I've been working like paid, uh, employed by churches, either contractor or on staff, uh, for the last um, thirteen years. I think fourteen years, and so, and most of that was as a developer, mm-hmm. and so because of that, I have a deep understanding of what people need. All right. So what I did is I took something that I saw as a common need. And I, in, in something that wasn't being serviced well, I picked a small niche. I, I said that I, I specifically want to target people that have a church that's, you know, under 250 members, mm-hmm. that they have no design and development experience, and th- there isn't something that exists for them right now. So this is yeah. something that I am equipped to put together that I can get out in front of those people that I think will serve them really well, but it is, it's simple. Um, and uh, inexpensive. Now, the simple thing is is key because a lot of people, when they think about building a product, they think about building the next YouTube or the next Facebook or something crazy like that. Well, if you have millions of dollars to invest and you have years of time, then you could do that. But the reality is you don't want to... The reality is that's not smart. Okay, what Jeff Bezos, with, I believe it was Jeff Bezos, said this thing... He said there's two types of decisions, uh, a door that you walk through that you can walk back out or a door that you walk through that you can't walk back out. So when it comes to making decisions, we want to make the decisions that it's that door we can go in and out just as easily as Mm -hmm. opposed to that door where we make a decision we're stuck there. So before we go mortgage our house to do something or before we go sell a bunch of possessions or before we give up a, a year of time, is there, a, is there an easier door we could go in or out of? So really you want to think in terms of MVP, uh, which is um, uh, ultimately your, your smallest uh, viable thing that you can release that will satisfy your base needs. So I could spend six months working on this, getting all these flows in place that I think make it great. But what I'd rather do is say, hey, my users will ultimately guide where this goes based on their feedback. So I'd rather get something in front of them that I feel like hits all the base requirements as quickly as possible 
and then let their feedback start determining my trajectory instead of making a lot of assumptions and instead of consuming a lot of resources. So this is something that ultimately when I release, if I was to actually put hours down on a page, I might have spent three weeks on this, okay? Mm-hmm. But three weeks of investment for something that, by the way, if it's a complete failure, is still a great portfolio item. Three mm-hmm. weeks of investment uh, compared to the potential return, mm-hmm. like how quickly I can recoup that, that's not, a, that's not a big deal. And so for me, that's a very easy door to walk through. So I would say when you're thinking in terms of stuff, strip it down as small as you can possibly strip it down. Maybe this has implications eventually for churches of all sizes. I'm not worried mm-hmm. about that today. I'm worried about small churches. Maybe this has implications for people that, you know, like more complex feature set. Not interested in that today. I'm interested in, in like literally you have one drop down you can use and you have one box you can paste into and that's it. I, I want to make this as ultimately simple as possible, partially for the user and partially be, because of how many resources I'm consuming before I'm actually testing. Is this really a viable path? Um, so that is what that's I'm nice. working on. So in terms of people that are looking for passive income, uh, and this is where I, I welcome conversation, but there are a couple of things that I, I, I think are important, uh, partly about what we talked about this week with this product, but partly, if you'll remember, our discussion last week about the brand kits that Brittany's released, uh, Happy Land Creative. If you didn't listen to that conversation, you should go listen to that as well. These will kind of both work together because these are both instances of products in slightly different ways. But one thing to consider, if, if you're sitting there... Um, well, let me flip this slightly. You should want to make something that multiplies your effort, all right? You as a designer or a developer can continue raising your hourly rate all you want to, but if the work you produce is based on the hours of input that you, or I'm sorry, if the money that you receive is based on the hours of input that you give, okay, to produce work, then the first day that you get injured, you know, the first day you break both hands in a skateboarding accident and can't draw anything, or, or the the first day that that uh, a, mm-hmm. a big client your big client walks away or the first day whatever then you're done you're hosed you have no income you're gonna you're gonna drop from a hundred percent to zero overnight all right so you can't have this one to one connection of hour to dollar and it doesn't matter how high that hourly rate is you can set your hourly rate at whatever you want to set it at it doesn't mean people will pay it and again the first time that for whatever reason that business walks away from you or you get injured or something happens, it's all gone. You're at zero. So we need to think in terms of how can we take our effort and A, multiply the value it provides. So one hour of effort is instead providing me 10 hours of return. But then B, where we want to get to is that that can ultimately work for us even when we aren't proactively putting in the effort. All right. And that's not something you're necessarily going to build overnight. For me, this is something that will ultimately be a fully automated process from purchase through use. So there will be a point in time where if I decide to, I can step away from it and it can continue to earn money even without me continuing to put more into it, uh, Mm -hmm. which is where I'm trying to get to. So that's what you should be considering because ultimately, if you want to build any wealth, you need to have that or you need to have appreciating assets. That's what you need to have. <laughs> you look like you want to say something, Lauren. I was going to say, like, kind of the condensed version of this that I think about a lot is work smarter, not harder. Oh, yes. Absolutely. So that's what we want to consider. Now, this is not something you're going to get to tomorrow. And if you start thinking about this, again, your brain might go to, well, how can I build another YouTube? You're thinking too big. We want to walk through mm-hmm. doors. We can go in and out very quickly. We want to be able to turn something around quickly. So 
Um, now, the next thing is um, value from waste. <laughs> this sounds interesting. Y'all know what chocolate diamonds are, right? No. Y- no. Neither do What the heck? Y'all don't watch Zales commercials? What is wrong with y'all? Okay. Uh, chocolate diamonds are like brown diamonds. The, these get sold. You'll see this a lot around oh, Valentine's okay. Day of like buying chocolate because they're like kind of mixed. This, like, yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't know that was the word for it. Yeah, but yeah, those used to be like straight. Those are like horrible quality diamonds. Those are like waste. Yeah, they're garbage. But then one day somebody realized, wait, we can market these as chocolate diamonds, and now it's a thing that people like. They they built this whole thing. It's like brisket. It's a lot like, like brisket. It's just like <laughs> brisket was like throwaway. It was garbage. And now it's like the premier cut of meat, yep. at least in our part of the country. Yeah. Is it's like the, that. That's the thing. Yeah. So look for where you can create value where there's waste. All right. That's a, uh, and we see this, uh, another great example, Airbnb. If you have a property that you're not going to be staying in, then the night you're not staying in that is waste. If you can instead rent it out to someone else to use when you're not there, that's mm-hmm. bringing value from your waste. This is where I talked about the brand kits uh, last week. Now, not specifically this situation, but I made the comment that if you're making items for a portfolio or if you have unused concepts that you make for a client that the client doesn't purchase for whatever reason, you could still try to turn around and sell those or repackage them in, a, in another way, which would in essence be creating value from waste. So just consider where in your life do you have waste that you're generating that you could potentially repackage and give value to uh, because something over nothing is something. Yeah. Right yeah. All right. Um, so that, uh, the multiply effort. And then uh, the other thing to consider is really is barrier of entry. Now, I see a lot of these passive income people talk about, um, <laughs> they just talk about stuff that, uh, how do I say this? Uh, in the Like, it's too easy. Okay, you're you're not gonna like. I understand if you're in a pinch, you need to make something happen. Then of course, if you can find a quick way to get like fifty bucks, that's awesome. Okay, uh, and by the way, you should be giving blood. I read one person for passive inc- income that said like donate blood, which I'm not sure how that qualifies as passive income, but also you can get more uh, for plasma you, anyway. You sh- yeah, um, <laughs> but money for um, giving blood? I've been doing it wrong. I only ever get like, or, like a cookie. You get like, you can like, yeah, plasma is money. And then I think like if you someone harvests eggs from you, which I don't think I can Yeah, do, you can do that. Yeah. That's like a lot of money. I think. Yeah, a lot of money. There's things that's you can a whole, That's a whole business unto itself. <laughs> and you should, and don't get me wrong, you should give. I'm not saying don't. But what I'm saying is some of these things that get thrown out there, the barrier of entry is so low that ultimately anybody can do it. If it was something that ended up being very profitable, well, then there's nothing that prevents 100 other people from just immediately moving that space and just taking it from you. Yes. So think in, think in terms of what do you offer that is unique and then potentially has a, has a higher barrier of entry. Uh, that's very important. And then the, the other thing beyond that, uh, and I say this really, I, gosh, I say this nicely. If you are looking to build a business, uh, try to look outside of the obvious. So Look for the things that are obvious to you and that you have a lot of experience and so you know from a, you have a very unique perspective of how to do it. But don't do this thing of, well, if I create 20 sh- shirts and I create 20 pins, then I'm going to have a business tomorrow. 
A couple people make that happen, but again, that's a low barrier of entry item. Anybody, I've even made a shirt. I did. I made one that says the Academy hates A24. It's available right now at Cotton Bureau. <laughs> Anybody can make a shirt. So again, this is one of those things that qualifies as low barrier of entry. And so because of that, mm-hmm. you're very unlikely to see any kind of considerable income from it. Now, if you want to do it because it's fun, do it because it's fun. That's great. And if you want to do something that loses money, so do we. It's called a podcast. There's tons of those <laughs> things out there. Yep. But if your ultimate goal is to make income, then consider what's your unique experience. So what separates you from other people? What has some barrier of entry? It doesn't have to be super difficult, but is at least not something that Patrick can just pick up and make a t-shirt. Has some barrier of entry. Is there waste in your life, something you're already doing that you could add value to so that way you're not just having to spend a bunch more hours doing that, but you're getting the you're getting value for what you're already doing. So can I convert waste to value? Which in turn goes to multiplying effort. How can the stuff I make make money even when I'm done? And Jason Edmiston does a great job at this, mm-hmm. how he creates a print and releases it in 20 different formats. It's amazing the amount of money he makes from one piece. We talk about that in our interview with him, so you should go check that out, Jason Edmiston. Um, and then whatever the final thing I said was, cause I, I ran out of fingers and I shut my book already, but, um, <laughs> yeah, whatever. You know, that Just, old uh, saying, I ran out of fingers, shut my book. But then once you decide on what that thing is, make the smallest, simplest, don't spend too much time on it. It's okay if it's dirty, just get it in front of people. I know you artists want things to be perfect, but then you might end up spending a lot of time for something that just doesn't hit the way you think it's going to hit. So get the dirty version in front of people, let people start using it and then make your decisions based on their feedback. I think even like uh, a like simpler thing, like for artists anyway, it's like, you're never going to want to compromise. And especially because producing products is, is expensive. You know, when you're talking about like physical products, like shirts and pins and stuff, sure. um, just start with like, quality over quantity don't try and make 30 pins because like you know i haven't even made 30 pin designs and i've been doing this for a couple years you know like you can do that but like you said like it's there's a lot of people out there making pins if you're just starting out starting off with like this huge you know debt from making all this merch is kind of crazy start small and work up and and like i'm i don't consider myself a very good business person necessarily i've never had any training but my boyfriend owns a startup and i've been watching a lot of people around him try and do startups And like a lot of people just do jump in to the deep end and expect that on like two weeks later, they will have the next YouTube, like you said, but it's like, that's not realistic. Even YouTube was like a site with 10 users at one point and it didn't grow to a million in the next week, you know, like it just takes time and effort to build up all this stuff. So don't expect instant results and like, you know, just put into work because like if you market and work on it, like it pays off. Well, and the thing is, the people that you think got instant results, they didn't. They very likely didn't. I mean, even if you look at some of the huge people on YouTube now. So I watch uh, Marques Brownlee uh, in MKBHD, whatever it's called. I don't remember. But he's been creating on YouTube since like the third year YouTube was out. He's been creating Mm -hmm. for like over a decade now. So, uh, and that's the case with a lot of these people. There's like random people I follow that are like power lifters. And you would think, oh, a power lifter started a YouTube channel Mm -hmm. because it's a fad. No, he's been creating for like a decade as well. So the thing is, there are people that you will think had some meteoric rise, but they didn't. They did the same thing and they did it well and they did it consistently for a while. So that's, you also need to frame stuff in a realistic way. Yeah. And like people do go viral, like it happens, but like don't count on that. That's a stupid business decision you won't 
and yeah. nicely like you're not go it, it's not going to happen but it's it could it won't. But but I would say so, never plan your business around I'm going to go viral. That's not a business yeah. plan. <laughs> like I, I heard this great if you do set out on something like if you have a clear uh direction for where you want to take a business or take a product there's this great quote you will overestimate what you can accomplish in a year but you will underestimate what you can accomplish in five years. So just keep that in mind, okay? Whatever mm. you set out for the next 12 months, you're probably not going to hit those marks, all right? But you can get a lot done in five years if you will stick with it uh, and be be uh, intentional with what you're doing, be consistent with what you're doing. So, uh, But think small. It's okay to think small. Force yourself to ask questions. Put people in your life that will pick apart your ideas. Um, that's a big one, especially if you're starting a business from scratch, do that. Cause like, I'm just going to throw this in while you're looking this up. Like I I watched my boyfriend do this through like investors and like, that's just naturally picking your ideas apart. But like four business ideas were thrown out because of this process and they would have been terrible. So like, just takes time to get there. Warren Buffett said he will not fund an idea unless he can get three of his friends to put money behind it. So the idea is that if he can't get now, in his case, his friends I imagine are very smart, serious, talented business people. But if he can't win over his friends enough to put money where their mouth is, then it's not mm-hmm. a good enough idea. So once you actually have something that you feel like is ready, before you start again walking through a door you can't walk back through, put people around you and get them to put their money where their uh, mouth is. And if they won't do that then you probably shouldn't do it. So mm-hmm. those are some quick tips. Any of these places that tell you they're going to give you your passive income idea, they're not going to because they will have already taken that idea for themselves. So you're not going to magically this, find this your idea. This is their passive income idea is giving you the advice. <laughs> I know. You're not going to magically find that idea on an internet article or on a podcast. But these are some pretty good guidelines that will hopefully relieve the pressure of, I have to have a billion dollar idea. And on that note, it's okay if you have a hundred dollar idea. You know, if you have something you start that can put a hundred dollars in your pocket every month that you don't have to touch, that you can hands off, let run. Oh my gosh, that's such a huge win. That's an incredible win. And what I would also say, Paul Jarvis, Company One, it's one of those books that you think you'll change your life. It won't. Um, but <laughs> what it does is it gives you permission to say, I don't need unbridled growth. I don't have to want to be a billionaire. I don't have to want to hire a bunch of employees and grow to a company of a thousand or or, or twenty thousand or whatever. Uh, it is okay to just say, personal preference. I want my lifestyle to have these three things, and I'm only going to do the work I need to do to accomplish those, and then I'm going to stop. This this book is about the permission to just say. My business in my life can be the things that suit me and it doesn't have to fit someone else's definition like a Steve Jobs or an Oprah or something like that. Um, and so mm-hmm. that, that's the thing to make those decisions about what you want, slowly start building it and it doesn't have to be a million dollar idea. And on that note, again, don't spend a year on something without having any <laughs> any validation from others and without getting in front of people um, and uh, again, up that barrier of entry. Um but it's funny you said you haven't made 30 pins because you've been you're on like the pin invitational every year. I assumed you had hundreds, Lauren. That comment was directed uh, at oh, like of like act like kidding. separate designs, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know, I'm just joking. Uh yeah. Andrew, you have anything you want to I mean I'm close, but No. I mean I think that's all like it's one of those situations where like I don't I don't know how to do that. I've never done it. So like having a whole lot of, of you know speak into that. Actually what I was gonna talk about this time is 
loosely related on a, in a different way, but like I am just now kind of creating a couple of products, you know, uh, air quotes products. And, um, the, the struggle that I'm coming into, I believe fully in these products, right? Like, so specifically the, the, mm -hmm. uh, the thing that I have out right now is this, this, uh, hat box ghost lenticular print that I did. And I thought it yeah. was a cool idea to, it, it lends itself really well to that property. It lends itself really well to that character so that you look at it one way and his head is attached to his body. You look at it the other way and his head is now in his hat box, much like the, the trick that you see when you go to the haunted mansion in Disneyland. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and the time of the year, perfect time of year. I had a product, uh, sh shipped to me to have it, you know, to the proof to make sure that it looks like the way it's supposed to, it does what it's supposed to. It came in the mail. I opened it and I was ecstatic. Like the first time that I held it and I did it, I was like jumping for joy in my house by myself, excited, ecstatic. I love it. I think it's great. Put together the marketing materials behind it, put it out there and instantly just hated it. Not the product. I hated the process. The process of marketing, I found my insecurity yeah. came into play. Whereas, whereas I am a huge proponent of, of art. I support artists all over the world. Uh, this is a thing that I like to do. I have no problem putting money behind other artists, buying things to support them. I had no problem with that. And I also, when I opened this, the thing I said was like, I would buy this. This is something that I would buy. If someone else did this, I would do it. And so I was really excited. The second I put it out into the public, I'm like, I hate this. Like, how do I market myself? Like, how do I put this? Like, how do I do that without sounding like a cheesy salesman, without whatever? How do I talk about all the cool features of it that I actually believe are really cool and really true? Um, how do I say that the price of it is actually really well done? How do I package things with it in such a way? I instantly froze up. And so um, that's a real thing. Like, like I can put together something that I truly believe in and I think people will really like, but I have found myself in this season becoming slightly paralyzed by the marketing of it, which is so weird because I market things for a living, but they're not yeah. my things. <laughs> like, Did it do as well? It's, it's, it is hard to do. I'm not going to lie. Like I have to do it all the time and it always feels kind of sleazy. There's no way around it. Cause you're, you know, asking people to buy stuff and it's just yeah. like something we've been trained to not think is okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. You know? I know. But, Has it done um, as well as you thought it would do? So it's, so as upon release of this episode or upon uh recording of this episode, it's only been out for a day and a half. So um, what I, was my expectation that they would sell out immediately? No. Was I hoping that I re recoup my cost or the, the cost for production of all these things? Yeah, I was hoping that I would have already done that. However, um, I realized too that my, my reach, I, I've marketed or I've, I've promoted it twice. This is an opportunity mm -hmm. to do it. I knew that I was going to do a pre-order and then a uh, like a regular order for it as well. So that we're still in the pre-order phase. So um, did it do as well? That's really hard to say. Like I haven't recouped the cost of what the production cost will be, but I'm not super far off of that. And I, this isn't necessarily to make a bunch of money. This is more so that I could, that the project would at least pay for itself and that I could get my art out there because this is again, again something truly that I think Disney people actually yeah, it's like. awesome. <laughs> like it's actually like a cool mm -hmm. thing. For um, my that personality, I... it's validation. Like when it doesn't sell, it's I am a failure as a person. Uh, totally. If, 
maybe feels a little bit like that. It's not super heavy in that, but it is because I still am able to look at it and say, well, if if nothing else, I have one of these for myself, and I'm glad that that this is in the world. Um, and the, for me, it's it's more of like the okay, how how can I get this? How can I get this in front of the right people? And then the other thing is uh, in terms of um, like advocation, right? I am an advocate for artists, and so when I when I believe in something, I put it out there and I put it in front of people. Um, and there's the question of like, well, does no like does nobody want to do that? You know, like those for me, like those are the questions that go through my head, the insecurities that pop up. Those are the things that that arise, and that never has to happen when you're not selling something. When I'm just drawing yeah. something for the sheer sake of drawing it and loving it and knowing that other people will love it and you remove all of the financial barrier or the purchasing, whatever, that goes away. I don't have those same insecurities. It's the second I pushed publish on this that said, go ahead and like the link is live. Go buy this now. That's when I'm like, ugh, like my stomach dropped. And it was like, oh my gosh, it was this a terrible idea, whatever. Um, so I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't answered the question for that, but that's, that's the real that's the real thing for me. So all that said, I would also <laughs> just say that since you launched this within the last week, Instagram like crunched their algorithm again. And like I have not figured out like the crack yet, but like everybody's engagements are terrible right now. Like I've been talking to other people about this, too. Like that could be a huge part of it because like I can see on my all Etsy, like how many sales come directly from Instagram and like that marketing and that marketing yeah. does help and matter. But some, like right now, they they change something and like they're not getting out to anybody. It's only getting well, out to people. Then I'll who just are blame in, it on your circle. I'll blame it on Instagram then. But if you do, no, I'm just so saying this, it's it is a factor that's like a big deal right now. Sure, no, I get that, and that is all. But all that has been through has just been through Instagram, right? Um, if you do want to get yeah, your hands on one of these things, they're really cool. They're fun. Um, it's they are the actually really cool. Ghost. And I yeah. yeah, listen, let me let me say this. I'm not like Andrew in that. Andrew buys a lot more stuff that like I think that I'm a little sometimes bit more... you buy sometimes I buy art because I support the person not because I necessarily want to hang that thing on my wall yeah what I you're think trying to I say. might be a little <laughs> bit more critical with when I pull the trigger that's what I'm yeah. trying to say yes um yeah. or or you know it's just it's one thing when you're an artist looking at other people's art uh, other artists work it's something else when you're not you know there there are things that I just don't I don't see the value in because I don't have the same eye uh genuinely cool piece when you showed this to me a first mm -hmm. i had a little bit of a wow moment but the second thought was why has no one done this <laughs> which is like that's the thought you want yeah. someone to have you want someone to see something and it's so obviously work that it's a a duh kind of moment and that's what i had when i saw it yeah mm -hmm. so if you want to get one the pre-order time is over but if you want if you're uh, for so they're 15 dollars now for pre-order, they were thirteen bucks because um, of the spooky thirteen number because it's Halloween and it's the unlucky number. In case you didn't catch that, perfect. Um, Fifteen dollars uh, for one of these. They're, they're five by five lenticular prints. They're super like weighty, actually. Like they're nice, thick. I guess because of the, mm -hmm. the materials they have to be made with. Um, five by five inch uh, lenticular prints, full color. Um, but for being a podcast listener, I also had um, transparent stickers made of the Hatbox Ghost as well. Um, and, nice. uh, I was throwing those into the pre-orders, but if you're a podcast listener and you use the code podcast fam, when you check out, I will throw in, uh, one of those stickers as well. If you want to buy just the sticker, it's going to be, uh, four bucks for just the, for just the sticker. But if you want to get the sticker for free with the Hatbox lenticular, just type in podcast fam when you're checking out. So, 
Um, anyway, they're there and they'll be up for a little bit until I sell out uh, or until the the season goes away. But I think they're they're a lot of fun. So but that I, whole the whole topic of like marketing yourself is it's a, more of a struggle for me now than I thought it would have been mm -hmm. considering I do this for a living. <laughs> it's different when it's about yourself. I really yeah, believe it that. Is. Like when it I really go to is. shows, like if I go to a friend's booth and like hang out, I'll talk all the good things about them. But then I get back to my booth and I'm like, you should buy this because it's cool, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I just don't know how to talk about it when it's yourself because it sounds like bragging and it's weird. I get it. And and your gut, re at least my gut reaction is always be like, oh, you're my friend here. Just take it. <laughs> like, well, yeah, I can't I can't do that with products that I'm actually paying money. You know, it's whatever. Um, so it's just, it's I know, just a yeah. situation. I totally what were you going to say, Patrick? Yeah, no, I was going to, I want to add one thing to what I had said before that I also think is really important, uh, that this reminded me of, but I wanted to just add the importance of community. Uh, you know, one struggle that I have seen either because some of us have had it or because other people in our, our community slash family have had it, uh, is that we are artists trying to market to other artists. Okay, if you're a producer trying to work to market to a producer, that doesn't make sense, right? Like a lot of artists don't actually buy a lot of <laughs> other people's stuff because they're trying to sell their own stuff, you know. Right. Um, and and we're broke. Yeah. So you're you're trying to sell stuff <laughs> to people that are trying to sell stuff. You end up doing a lot of trades, which is fine. It doesn't put right. any money in money in people's pockets. Just puts product on your wall. So the idea is that you have to have a community that is not your artist community to market to. Okay. Uh, yes. The reason I'm able to make church link is because i have a community that is not this podcast and in fact if they knew about this podcast they might kick me out of the community i'm not fully oh, yeah. sure you, but yeah uh, I, i'll go to the meetings and and uh yeah. let you know how it goes just let me know so but <laughs> but being serious the reason i'm able to do that is because i have a community that, that i understand well but it is not a community of producers so make sure that you're getting involved with people that aren't other artists. Certainly it's good to learn from other artists. It's great to talk to other <laughs> artists and digitally high five them and pat them on the back. All that stuff is awesome. And it's good to make people aware of it, but please be also building at least a secondary community somewhere else. And probably yeah. somewhere that you're passionate about. This could be like church people or skateboarders mm -hmm. or like people that knit or like yeah. I, I watched this short Vice documentary on people that have like a, an unhealthy love of balloons. They're called Lunars, apparently. You could go <laughs> not what balloons. A cute name. <laughs> I did see loonies, which I I liked, but yeah, you would think it'd be, but but they're people. They like put them under their shirts and stuff. I it's it's hard to okay. I'll I'll send you the link. I was like, but, yeah. But the point is, find communities that aren't just <laughs> artists. That is going to be a very important part of your journey toward building a business, building a product, building a uh, whatever else. Great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Finding ways to get your stuff out and let people see it is one of the biggest challenges that's out there. And so in some ways, the internet makes it easier. In some ways, it makes it harder, you know, but um, I think that's kind of the biggest challenge. At least I feel yeah. like that a lot. And the important thing uh, are the friends we made along the way. And that's what it's always been it's about. True. And also what's <laughs> important is that Slack has been sucking hard today. Yeah, for our oh. community. No, I just, just mean like crashing. it's been like not working for me half the day. Oh, that's no good. All right. Well, on that note, Nothing. speaking of Slack, you can join our broken Slack community over at <laughs> 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 one dot network <laughs> slash Slack. 
Uh, you can find us on M of One Podcast on all the different social platforms. Uh, you can find all the show notes and links to the stuff we talked about, including um, Church Link and the Hatbox Ghost and Not Cool Co's pin uh, plethora. Uh, her pin <laughs> plethora uh, pantry. Yeah. That's what the name of your, your site should be. Um, so all the stuff, all the products that we talked about will also be in our show notes, including a couple of the discussions that we talked about. Um, this has been a long one. Thanks for sticking with us. Yeah. You can you can buy some stuff. You can see some stuff. Rate, review, do all the things. I'm not going to pitch any of our other stuff. We've pitched plenty of things in this episode. So for now, we're just going to get out of this episode. My name is Andrew. I'm Lauren. I'm Patrick. And I'm going to say peace out for this one. Adios. Bye. Bye.